Reveille, Reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's Monday, Monday, Monday. I don't know who sang that song, but I'm singing it now. And BC has been electrocuted through his balls. There we go, everyone. Hi there. It is the 2nd of October. Can you believe that this long and yet treacherous year is somehow coming to a close? We're back from Las Vegas, older, full of bed bugs. BC literally had bed bugs. I want to point that out. We're you know, to get to be show fair, started. I'm still debating whether that's bed bugs or poison ivy from uh, some landscaping I did the day before I left, Luke. You know, I am susceptible to those things, just like you are to communicable disease and unnecessary outrage. What, what what do I have unnecessary outrage about today? Oh, just life in general, Luke. I was just oh, adding see, to your resume right there. Just to, I know, see, I see. Yeah. yeah, that's probably fair as a general statement. But nonetheless, here we are. It's a Monday. It's the 2nd of October. We're already in the month of Halloween. Uh, and we've got a show to get to. So we're back from the flights from Las Vegas. We are going to talk about some Canelo today. We haven't even gotten to anything related to some of the big uh, weekend's MMA content. So we're going to get to the actually a pretty big event that the PFL had in Paris. We'll talk about that. Stamp Fairtex becoming now what they're calling is the third championship in a third sport, which is true, but they're kind of fudging that. But nevertheless, you got a great win. We'll talk is about this, that as well. Is this like when... Because, you know, when we were growing up, the the thing, the most all-American boy thing you could do was go, like, all-league or all-conference in three different sports. And that usually means, like, football, basketball, and baseball to show that you are a true all-around. But then suddenly all these kids started being like, yo, I went all-state in cross-country, indoor track, and outdoor track. What does that make me? And usually my response to that is that means you're running from your problems, most likely. But, um there's got to be a like a break in the action there between you know what I'm saying, Luke. I mean, you're saying she's a compiler at this point of similar. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying that the championships aren't legit and that this is not like worthy of praise. Like, don't get me wrong. Like she looked, dude. She stopped. We'll talk about it later. She stopped Tom with body shots. It was great. Yeah. I'm just saying, calling kickboxing, Muay Thai, and, and MMA like they are three distinct sports, but it's not the same as like Bo Jackson. <laughs> With the with the shoulder pads and then the bat behind his head, which is one of the all time. If I do say so myself, BC, it's the greatest photo ever taken yes. of an athlete at any point in human history. That's a two sport athlete. I'm sorry, Coach I'm Prime. sorry, but Stamp Fairtex is not a better athlete than being a three sport athlete no, over no. two sport athlete Bo Jackson. Yeah, Coach Prime played in the uh, what the uh, World Series and the uh, Super Bowl in the same season. Played in the MLB playoffs and the NFL on the same day. I mean, yeah, that's a different level of uh, two sport athletics, right there. Correct, Luke? Let's yeah, be yes. fair. Yes, I think I, we got to be fair. We got to be fair in both directions. What what Stamp did is very cool. I'm yeah. just, you know, she's not going to have the shoulder pads with the bat anytime soon. That's all I'm pointing out. All right. Oh, uh, Luke, a little, little bit different. Uh, I had the uh, so I had a fly yesterday from Vegas to DC to Reagan National to your area, Luke. How did you get a direct flight and I had to go through Chicago? Well, I, I did get that. a direct flight because I had to stop in your backyard. But um, I, I should have been on you, that flight. I you should have been, and I will tell you it was first class, Luke. So thank you, mm -hmm. thank you to my fantastic label that pays me, uh, Showtime, who I love, like open mouth kiss level love. Um, I had the bed, Luke. I've I've only had the bed once before. I had the bed. Okay. All right. How did you, you know? How did you, how did you get I, I on that flight? And I had to take a flight to. I had to take a layover in Chicago. 
You I if you that. probably had it coming to you though, like in terms of the uh, yeah, in terms of the the co cosmic energy out there. But I will say, Luke, why do I deserve bad things? All I did was work on the flight home, motherfucker. Yeah, like, all I, I did was work my ass off for you people. Uh, I will say, Luke, the bed is not. It's not just like how much better than regular first class is it? It's like you went to a spa. It, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure. People like Robert Kraft would probably like a little bit more on the end of that offer. But I'll tell you, Luke, the offer itself was tremendous. Laying down like that, I mean, wow. Wow. So what oh. time was your flight? Uh, 8.20 a.m. Okay, Pacific so help time. me understand how you got that flight, and yet I had to get a much earlier flight and lay over in Chicago. Luke, I don't understand they, I that. Think, I think they like me more. I think that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't think anyone likes you all that much, if I could just be honest. Hey, you know who I picked over the weekend to win, Luke? Jermel Charlo. Jermel Charlo. Not only did you pick him to win, you went to the mat. Like, you went down. You're like, no, no, yeah. motherfucker. You don't even know what's about to happen. I yeah, I Josh knew. Claudie 2.0, that's what's about I to happen. I knew what he had under that hood, Luke. He just, you know, he didn't turn it on. He didn't bring it. What, what do you want me to do? All I can do, you know, for every Woodley Till and Ganu will wrestle monumental career-altering <laughs> or, should I say, defining moment, there's a... Charlo by by upset decision out there uh, in between Luke. That's how the world works, right? Everything everything you take in eventually has to come out. You know this very well. I've got the voicemails to prove it. That's true. That is true. It, it there's definitely a life cycle to everything. I think we can agree with that. Hey, let's remind everyone we got some merch morningcombat.store. I've got the Super Wash Dad shirt on here, but you can get all kinds of stuff. <laughs> At morningcombat.store, including PC's mug and everything else in between. Go get some of that hey, stuff. You already saw. Sh what's up? Did you hear about the announcement? Or did were you, or were you uh, tearing up porcelain during that part of the pre-show meeting? Probably the latter. What did I miss? Uh, I have heard from through uh, a third-party party source that uh, Raymond J. Dunzelmaker, our fantastic merch maven, you know, RJ Gangbang with the uh, with the ball gag. Yeah, uh, he has revealed that next week we will be continuing the consummation of this crossover relationship between Morning Combat merch and Average Joe Art, including the launch of two new items ahead of Halloween next week at morningcombat.store. Luke, I've heard that these Average Joe Art first editions have sold like H-cakes, just flying off the shelves. You know what I'm talking about, Luke? Okay. They have, you know? indeed. They have. This is so all very let's true. See what, let's see what, you know... Who does number two work for? Let's see what the second line does, Luke. Okay, I think it's going to be a bestseller, to tell you the truth. Hey, they got the 90s counter out. All right, they're on point today. All right, so we got a lot to get to. Showtime.com is the label that pays. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, feel free to bounce. Uh, let's see. Morningcombat at gmail.com will be the email to reach the show. BC yeah, say hi to Mikey. Those. We're not there. We're not yeah, at we're that not, address. We're not reading those, okay. so don't don't send them. If you want to reach us, don't do that. So if you're going to put your stick pig in there, I'm not going to check it out, all right? Not looking. That, though, not, you got, if you want to send your dick pics to Brian, you have to do that via DM. That's the I mean, guys, let's be DM. honest here. Not interested, okay? To be very clear with you, straight you're up. Mar you're okay? marginally interested. A little interested. You know, just from an observer walking by, whistling past the graveyard type. No, I mean, I will, I will hang around if there's, you know, if there's an accident on my street corner, I might hang around and look at it for a bit, though, Luke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there was an uh, accident yesterday. I, so we had the, I had to take the two plane rides. Did not get the bed, although the flights were fine. They were on time. I can't complain. Yeah. And then we get to DC and get my bags. First of all, they couldn't find one of my bags that had all of my equipment in it. So I was like, mother fuck. So I went to the United office, and they're like, oh yeah, we have it here. They just thought it looked fragile. I'm like, there's no fragile stickers on it, you fucking idiot. But okay. 
Nevertheless, oh. I get my. I didn't. I didn't call her an idiot, but I felt like saying it in my head. Anyway, I get my bag, and then we get on the road. We have to take the GW Parkway back to my house, and there's not one, not two. Ready for this? Three accidents on that motherfucker in a mile span. Ooh. Don't know what happened. Couldn't tell you. Took an extra thirty minutes to navigate that, and then once I got to the city, it was fine. I got well, home. Well, you but... do live in a beautiful city, but a city overridden with, uh, you know. Angry sourpuss faces among its service worker staff, Luke. Yeah, I got, you know, I noticed something. I noticed something. It turns out that the Vegas service class finds you no funnier than the one in yeah, DC. I, I've never, I've never shouted out Vegas for its uh, quality of food or service. <laughs> believe me, okay. All right, I, I noticed. I noticed your stick wasn't working all that well on them either. It was kind of an interesting little theme that came up. Hey, before we get started with today's show. Let's make sure we thank some folks. How about all the donks from Malka who helped out over the weekend? Uh, yesterday, the, the show on Saturday night went off without a hitch, but it was a lot more than that. Everything else was pretty great, except when stuff was falling on me on Friday, but that's a different story. Nothing bad happened there anyway. It, but in all seriousness, I know everyone out there was busting their ass in very difficult conditions, so thanks to them. Thanks, of course, to the folks from Showtime, Courtney and Matt and everybody else who did a great job. Mikey, who was there on the CBS side to take care of us. Everyone did a great job taking hey, care Sam of B. us. And uh, my boss... Sam B was there. Sam B. Sam B. Sam B was there as well. Got us some lunch. So, yeah, just want to thank everyone. And, of course, all the listeners, all the viewers, anyone who came up to, to us and said hi, anybody we saw in Vegas, can't tell you how much we appreciate it. It was, in, in general, a pretty successful week. And um, just glad we got the opportunity to do it. So thank you to everyone who made that possible. There you go. BC, anyone you want to thank besides me for saving your life? Um, I, it was nice catching up with Filthy Phil of the Malka crew, Luke. Um, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Tristan looking looking extra jack there with all those rabid farm animals tattooed on his arm there, Luke. You know, if, if shit ever goes down, I want that guy on our side, okay? You know what they call him now, don't you? No. Oh, box cutter Tristan. He'll just he'll just run okay. up on you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they do that, Luke. I'm not be really, really fair with you. I don't think they do. No. <laughs> all right. <laughs> There's my cough. By the way, I got home and my daughter is still coughing like it's a thunderclap. Yeah. Just rah, when she comes out. And then and then my wife tells me she took her to a party on Saturday and all the kids from her class all had the exact same cough. They just dude, you send your kid off to preschool, which is one of the one mine's in, they come back with a new communicable disease every other day. Every other, didn't your kids do this? Didn't they go to school and come back all fucked up when they were in pre-K? Uh, not, not at this level, Luke. I, I, I think the MK community is wondering in general if you personally, and maybe by extension your family, do you have an immune system, Luke? Dude, I've had I, I through the age of thirty, I never got sick once. Then I started to get allergies around thirty-two, and now that my kid is in school, and then you can just pretend that you didn't get sick all the time. You got sick all the time. You send your kid to school, they're just going to come back with something. I don't know what to say. I well, don't know. I can't in a stop city. it. Luke, there's more people everywhere in a city, which means there's more, you know, feelings of Newark Penn Station everywhere you go. You know, I just, That's I don't true. live there, Luke. Okay. I live That's in true. Greater Hartford. It's not the same thing. Okay. Greater Hartford. Yeah. That's all we got. That's all we got. See, the thing about Connecticut is, you know, we could talk all this shit, right? Joe Rogan. Then the people come here, Luke, not not just for like the Bellator weigh-in, right, or or that time you spend <laughs> at a Bacchus Hospital there. Considering if you were going to go out like that, um, it's a beautiful place. I mean, just a just a beautiful place, Luke, with beautiful people, for the most part. You ever taken a dump on the floor? Uh, I have not. I have though. Um, when I was in the midst of like a twelve-mile training run for a marathon, I never ended up running. I was yeah. in the woods and. Uh, 
And the only and I was uh, here's the problem, Luke. I was on a running trail which went through multiple people's backyards. So I basically had to pick, you know, because it hit. And once it hits, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, Luke? It's you know what I'm saying? It's coming. Mm. They're co- the red coats are coming, right? And yeah. I had to pick which backyard because there were multiple like fall parties going on. Which backyard did I feel I could hide in their own woods the best while pooping without them realizing it? You know, a hundred, you know, fifty yards away, you know, cooking up on the grill, and I'm like over there on a log with some wet leaves. You know, Luke, there are low moments in your life, and uh, that that certainly felt like one. Yeah, I was just gonna say, if you ever taken a dump on the floor and looked at it, you've you've seen Connecticut. You've seen it. That's, okay, that's, okay. I that's mean, the beginning you know, and end of it right I mean, there. this is a man who who has lived in many gross places, Luke Thomas. Okay, many, many. <laughs> All right. With that in mind, let's get this process started. Of course, we're going to get DMs ready for you guys. Have you seen this shit? Very curious to see what BC has cooked up for this one. Should be kind of fun. But all right, let's get this process started. Topic number one, let's spin the Canelo news a little bit forward if we can. Now, as you guys know, Canelo wins over the weekend. Uh, he defeats Jermel Charlo. What can only be described as easily. I don't. They, there was not much difficulty to that one in the end, although partly it's a function of what Jermel Charlo did or didn't do. And so for that reason, BC, here's something we never really touched on all that much on Saturday night. Now that the dust has kind of settled a little bit, I'd like to talk about it. We will pinpoint who might be next in a minute. But first, BC, the question goes to you. Did Canelo Alvarez silence all of the doubts about his abilities or what's left of them with his win over Charlo? Yeah, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Look, this and I said he had enough merit in, in the you know in the in his in his bank account of in the court of public opinion where we should have believed him coming in where he admitted, yeah, wasn't at my best of late, injured, all that stuff. Watch me now. I love the quote he delivered afterwards. What was it? You know, on the mic to Jim Gray. Uh, nobody can beat this version of Canelo. I do believe at 33, fully healthy again. And I think another part we can't miss of what he added in, he put some struggle in his own training camp, meaning for the first time in a while, he got outside of regular home life. He went to Lake Tahoe. He was away from his wife and kids for, I think it was up to three full months. And he just did the old school Spartan lifestyle of getting ready for a fight, keeping that one track mind. So Does that suggest that he didn't have the same level of focus against the last couple opponents? I don't know. There was, you know, he's always on a busy schedule. I believe the effects of the injury. But now we know he really did sequester himself and take the time. And even with Jermel Charlo's very disappointing performance, which at least, you know, helps what we saw out of Canelo. This is absolutely brilliant second generation prime Canelo, meaning we all know he's closer to the end than the beginning but at 33, we said this late Saturday, I think this performance suggests that it's not out of the question to add him back into the debate of who's pound for pound best in the world. No, he didn't do enough to beat Crawford or Inouye. And yes, there are other you know competitors around that area. But yeah, he was back and I think he was back with a bang. And most importantly, what I focus on to say that, Luke, the stamina was there, right? He was the the he was the fighter who who had more in the tank and was certainly more willing to engage with the size advantage. But you know, I don't think it was won just on size, even though overall brutality was a big part of it with his targeting Charlo's you know shoulder and arm and all that. It was just you know he was sharper, he was better. And when he says that, Luke, I, I think he may be right. Outside of moving up to one seventy five, I really want to see 
who can beat this version of Canelo because there really, really aren't that many in the world, Luke, who, who have a legitimate chance between, what do you want to say, like 154 and 168? I mean, even Bivol had to, had to win more rounds than he probably need should have to be able to get the decision against Canelo, but we don't see people competitive with Canelo, let alone challenging them. And not only does this kick my prediction hard in the face, dude, he's back, Luke. He's back. Big Red's here. He's not going anywhere. So let me play devil's advocate in a bunch of ways because I want to, or two ways actually, I'm sorry, because I, I want to be clear. I do think that this performance was very restorative. I do think a lot, I echo a lot of the points that you're making about, you know, listen, just the purpose he had from the word go, taking his time in the first round, but you could just tell he had an energy to get right across the ring, corner Jermel Charlo and go to work as soon as he possibly could and really never let his foot off the gas. But let me bring up two points, if I may, some things I've seen around the internet and get your response to them. Most people are agreeing this is Canelo's best performance in some time, certainly pre-Bivol, right? Uh, or, yeah, since Bivol, this is the best performance he's had, although obviously he's had some wins. The Bivol fight was a, was a loss. But two things they bring up. One, he got the knockdown in the seventh, but couldn't put Charlo away. Doesn't that say something? That's one. And then two... Uh, does a win like this make you think that he could beat Bivol? And I think the most answers would be no. So if the answer is no, how restorative was the victory in all actuality? Um, a lot of questions you just threw at me right there. So here's the deal. Can we, get the on him for, can we get on him for not finishing Charlo in the same way we kind of got on him for not finishing John Ryder, you know, when Canelo had that huge lead and seemed to be, you know, extra levels above him. Uh, no, I don't think so because I think Charlo's a, a bigger threat than Ryder was just in terms of the danger of like, you know, clean combinations. And after getting dropped, I will give Charlo credit. That was the, f the first and really the only time in the fight we saw some kind of urgency out of him. And I think he did put together a couple clean, either, you know, counter shots or combinations where, you know, if it was somebody less than Canelo's chin, it, it could have played a part in helping him mount a comeback and I just don't think, you know, look, Charlo's had only been down once before as a pro, and this is a guy that we typically look at as durable and tough and all that. I don't hold that against Canelo in this case. I think the Ryder case was like, this is a showcase mandatory. You're at home in front of your home crowd. If you're still that guy, get that guy the hell out of here. But but what was the second question you had, Luke? Because I want to play into that. So there's a question of like, okay, Canelo's back. This is, And Canelo even said himself. He's oh, like, this can, yeah. Yeah, I like, got you. Okay, to what extent does this. this reframe the Bivol rematch debate? Look, Canelo has been more optimistic about his chances of beating Bivol than we have been. Because what did we see? We saw Bivol, who's the rare sort of combination of having size, speed, and legit, I mean, just top-end technical skills. And then when he's fighting, in this case, a smaller fighter moving up in Canelo, I mean, his power was absolutely real where Canelo had, had to, uh, you know, respect that. But still, under the banner of it's hard to score a decision against Canelo. I mean, Bivol won seven to five on all three cards when we kind of all scored it like nine to three or 10 to two for him. Did that play under the same heading of the three fights? Yeah. Where Canelo had the hand injury, wasn't really able to be his full self. I wonder if that was part of Canelo's one-sided, like, no, I must make this Bivol rematch happen before he ended up getting into this fight and signing with the PBC. I think deep inside Canelo realizes 
that he was compromised in that first fight to some level due to the left hand. He tried to gut it through. He realized that this was a harder matchup than I'm sure he even he even thought it was coming in. And, you know, he he really he couldn't break through against Bivol. I wouldn't hold it against him after seeing this restorative version of him, Luke, that he couldn't, if he fought great, look how close he was in a, in a fight where I don't think he fought great. What if he improves in the second one? Could that be a situation where it could be a majority or split decision? Yeah, I mean, I'd favor Bivol, of course. But yes, this did increase my confidence level that a, a Canelo with this level stamina could potentially change the fortune. Maybe not the outcome, but the fortune of a second Bivol fight. And because Canelo is such that competitor who was already trying to get that fight above any other option... Um, yeah, you're not going to favor him, Luke, but you got to give him the respect after this performance. When he's back at full speed and he has that gas tank and the fact that he can hurt anybody, even if your defense is tight, he can still hurt you to the arms, to the body. you got to put some respect back on him that he's going to be very competitive in a B-ball rematch, Luke. I want to answer up to that because I don't think you believe it. He's back, dude. This guy's back. Big Red's back. I, I, I definitely, wa I definitely want to be clear. I do think that this was a really good performance for Canelo. I do think that getting back to the things you had attributed it to, or you know, things that he had done that you had mentioned, going up to isolation and, and training in that way and that Spartan lifestyle, whatever it was, the combination of underwhelming performances or the new training or whatever, he definitely looked a lot better on Saturday than he had in some time. And I'm going to say it again: he had a real purpose driven he had a real purpose um he had a real intentionality with his offense everything was very much designed to get right in charlo's face and just declare to him who's better from the word go that really is what the the attitude that i got as it relates to the bivol fight you know i didn't know what to make of it when they first fought and then after seeing the results i'm like right i don't think canelo would do all that well i think he could probably do better in a rematch Especially if it was at 168, but I would still kind of favor Bivol to sure. win. I just don't think I just I just feel like 175 is a waste of Canelo's time at this point, especially given his age, 33, and then the accumulated miles therein. Um, what I what I want to sort of address though here, BC, is what I saw some folks saying after the fight was that yeah, Canelo looked great, but then Charlo turned in a bit of a Joshua Clotty versus Manny Pacquiao kind of performance and even that one I don't think is particularly fair because Claudia was just just absorbing shots and not even trying to throw back at all you did see some attempt by Charlo as the fight went on to land something he just couldn't do it I actually feel like you would have gotten a little bit more from Charlo if Canelo had a bit of a different game plan to me Charlo didn't have the right mental and competitive posture but also one of the big signs of Canelo's success was that he made Charlo look relatively pedestrian, and he's not. He's the yeah. undisputed 154-pound champion. He has all the belts. BC and I were there when he took it off Jason Rosario. We have, we were. I did tape study on his fights against Harrison and Castaño. There's nothing accidental about his success. Dude, he's way better than the guy that was there Saturday. Like, let's be honest. Way and, better. Way and, better. And the, the whole, there's levels to this, the whole point that Canelo was making during fight week, he's actually right in the end. Right. But that's not the best of Jermel. So that's why I like, you know, I can walk around with egg on my face and I do get a lot of DMs of like, you know, we were letting you hang yourself out there, but we had no, you know, what the hell are you doing picking Charlo? Some of it was the idea that I thought Charlo could deliver the best performance of his career offset against a version of Canelo who I thought was not going to be this sharp. So it ended up working out that way. I still think the best version of Jermel 
puts forth a much different fight than Saturday. Some of the reason why we didn't see the best of him is obviously what Canelo did. But Luke, I mean, I hate to say this, Jermel also just looked, I don't, I don't, Back the people who are criticizing him saying, oh, he was obviously only there for a paycheck. I think he came in fired up. I just think the moment got to him and he just didn't carry out a game plan that was going to, in my opinion, embrace his strengths and give him his best chance to compete in this fight. Do you know what was weird about Charlo's game plan? Because I went back and I watched the fight on the on the plane ride home and I was like, okay, here's what I picked up on what Charlo did. See if you agree with this. On the offensive end, people are talking about it like it's one thing or the other, but here's what I noticed. On the offensive end on Charlo's game, they you could tell that they had some things that they wanted to try. He tried them. Most of them didn't work, but I could sort of see where they were getting at with it. And I wonder what you're going to say. Oh, he didn't pump the jab enough, 100%. I mean, in terms of what he did throw, what did it signal, right? They had an idea. The thing that got me, BC, in the end was that Canelo had a clear game plan for his offense to be built off of the defensive weaknesses of Charlo. Yes. And Charlo never had an answer for that. That was the part that I couldn't get. It was like, dude, Canelo knew this guy was going to back up right away. Knew it. Made him do it right away. And there was some lateral movement, obviously, from Charlo. Don't get me wrong, but clearly not enough. And then getting back to the jab and everything else. He never had, like, how did they not know enough about the defensive tendencies slash weaknesses of Charlo to work on that first rather than trying to build the kind of offense that might crack through Canelo's defenses? I couldn't believe that part. That part was the one that got me. Yeah, there there, there seemed to be a, 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 not a miscommunication, a, a mis-execution of yeah. whatever their game plan was. And I want to obviously give, you know, respect to the brilliant minds of Derek James and Joan Guzman, but... Whatever they that was potentially just didn't come out, and so I think to me it was going to be one or the other. Meaning, I had talked to you. I, I thought that the the key to winning was to work behind that jab and again try to steal as many rounds in the first half through through making Canelo chase as you could to set up for a second half that was inevitably going to become a real fight because Canelo would make those adjustments. But Luke, when he's not throwing a jab really at all for three full rounds and content to circle away and then try to counter big every once in a while. To me, if you're going to punt like that, then it has to be in the service of saying, let me make Canelo use a lot of energy, you know, chasing me down. But then in the second half, we're just going balls out. And, you know, we didn't see the balls out in the second half. We saw a little bit more urgency. We saw him connect a little bit here and there. But it's hard because you got to ask yourself, well, what are, what are we asking of him? Wasn't it en enough to dare to be great to take this fight? That that meant a lot. I mean, I you know, I, I, I give him the full respect. And I'm not saying then once you're in here, you owe it to all of us to, you know, walk in with your hands down and go for broke if it's not going your way. But to see that, that okay, if they weren't going to try to start strong and try to build off that jab, then maybe they're, they're saving up for something and then that, that moment never comes, then you got to ask yourself, what was the game plan? There are levels to this. Nobody looks great on the regular against Canelo, but it, it just... There was a disconnect. I mean, the corner had to like almost try to resuscitate Jamel in the championship rounds and try to like get that urgency back. And uh, I, I don't know, Luke. Do you think Jamel was just bamboozled that it, that it just kind of muted his offense and that you know he was throwing when he needed to to survive? But I just didn't see a calculated plan of attack in going after Canelo. You know, the thing is, it's like Harrison was a little more at times willing to exchange. 
with Charlo, and so therefore more hittable. Brian Castaño, infinitely more hittable than Canelo or Harrison, I think, is probably a fair way to put it. And so there's just opportunities for Charlo's game to shine in those scenarios. Canelo took all that oxygen away. He took all of it away. He had much better defense. He had much better positioning. He had Charlo in positions where Charlo couldn't react the way that he wanted, right? So that's the other part, too. It's like the situation might look similar to the other situations where Charlo's big left hook played a role, but Canelo's very deft positioning took a lot of that away, so he could just never really get going out of first or second gear, and that's all really due to Canelo, or at least a big, I should say, a big part of that is really due to Canelo. So when we talk about, like, getting back to the initial question, is he back? There are very clear things you can point to in this fight and be like, this was just much better. The intentionality, the physicality, how he looked this week, and everything else. Let me make one more note about Charlo on the weight. You know, I had said after the fight, BC, that, you know, he still looked like Jermel Charlo, but it just didn't seem to add much in the end. 168, just way too much, I think, for Charlo. 160, I think, still might be doable, although he says he's going to go back to 154. 154, he's physically strong. He's physically in that place. 168, it just looked like he could have the extra weight. It didn't do much to boost his fortunes. No, it didn't. You know, I I, I would have... I mean, there's a couple ways you could have looked at it. In some ways, you know, ha- making sure you're, you've got the strength, you know, to, to to make sure you come in close to 168 from the idea of, am I going to fight on the inside? Will there be wrestling? Will I want to push him off? Will I want to keep Canelo off of me? That could have been part of the thought process. But but although he looked healthy at what, you know, coming in at 167.4, I, I wondered what that meant to the idea of what, we've, what I thought his best shot would have been, which is coming in lighter and trying to use as much of a, a of an advantage as that speed gap would be into his favor. In the end, Luke, the, although he did look to be the faster fighter in terms of hand speed, it didn't look like like the weight he came in and the body he came in made him any faster. He actually looked a half step slower than we are used to. And obviously, you know, that can be exasperated by the fact that Canelo's got such great timing and, and you know, there's a reason why people's offensive numbers go down against Canelo because he's so sharp and so menacing but Luke, it's like, damn, Canelo's great. And we've always talked about that he's one of the rare guys that can juggle like extreme high-level commercial success, being the face of this sport, being in pay-per-view on top for 10 years, and the critical side. But usually when we talk about you know Canelo already being an all-time great at age 33, I'm typically thinking of it from the standpoint of accomplishments, which is large and impressive four-division champion. And I think he joins... Um, Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns as the only fighters who have won world titles at 154 and 175, which is just a mind-boggling, ridiculous club to suddenly join. But, Luke, normally I say Canelo's an all-time great. Look at his accomplishments. Now I'm saying more Canelo's an all-time great. Look at the command of his skill set. Look at how insanely well-rounded he is. Look at how, in this matchup was a good example, if you are not on his level in your combination of IQ and technique, then you better bring something extreme to the game, whether it be extreme quickness or extreme power to to try to threaten him, or you don't have a chance. Like, Canelo's becoming an all-time great, Luke, separate from the commercial success and all of that. Just look at the fighter. Look at who he is at 33 now. This guy's incredible. I mean, this guy is a GOAT. We know that, but sometimes you have to stop and just look at it a little closer and be like, this is one of the greatest fighters in the history of this sport, and he's still got it. 
He absolutely still has it. Yeah, to the point that you raised, Stephen Bremen Edwards had written the following. Then we'll move on to question number two. Quote, not everyone wants to acknowledge it, but Canelo is an all-time great fighter. Only three-minute history to the point you raised, BC, have won titles at junior middleweight, middleweight, super middleweight, and light heavyweight. Leonard, Hearns, and Canelo. That's it. That's the fucking list right there. Pretty, pretty special guy getting back to rare form, I thought, on Saturday. Questions remain, but a great performance just the but same. But look, when you're, right. doing, when you're doing mythical matchups in your head, Canelo's so freaking skilled that if you're going to put him in a mythical matchup against any of the greats in and around his weight prime, you got to give him a healthy chance of winning. He's so damn skilled that, like I said, unless you've got incredible power or you are the slickest boxer available it's going to be really hard to beat this guy and only two have and those two are pretty great in mayweather and bevel all right so with that in mind let's go to topic number two and we'll we'll end the canelo discussion here by trying to spin it forward bc i need you to pick one fighter and i want you to make the case for that one fighter make the case either for terrence crawford or David Benavidez as Canelo's next opponent. Not two fights down the road, not three fights down the road, not at some point in 2024. Terrence Crawford, David Benavidez, Canelo's next opponent. Which one is it? Give me the case. It's got to be Benavidez. As much as I friggin' love the Bud Crawford versus Canelo and everything that it could mean on so many levels, it, it, is, a, it is a where were you type of fight and event in the making it can't be next if Errol Spence is holding firm to this, con you know, it's in the contract. He has a chance to activate the rematch. It seems he's doing it. So because of that, when you look at the fact that Canelo has two fights left on his PBC deal here, there's so many big options. But I think Jermel Charlo took away Jermel Charlo's potential chance. And I don't think Jermel's, you know, really ready for this right now anyway, given that he's off two years yeah, Benavidez might be coming back against Demetrius Andrade later this year. A lot of rumors that it's that it's November that this fight could happen, and I love that fight. By the way, that's a that's a tough out for for Benavidez to show how skilled he is against somebody like that. But Cinco de Mayo is when Canelo wants to come back. I do think May is far enough away where you can start building it now. You can start using the whole marketing of the Benavidez Andrade fight, if that's the direction they're going, to the idea that can this man secure the bag and get that Canelo showdown. And if you're Canelo, I don't think you want to wait much longer as you're getting older and this guy is only getting better in Benavidez. It might you might have to do it now. If you're gonna do it ever, you might have to do it now. Luke Canelo, after this performance which he was spectacular in totality. Him against Benavidez next May would be a monster fight. Monster. I don't know if you can talk me into why the answer should be anything but this if Bud can't be next. The only argument I can think of to make Bud next, because I'm trying to like noodle through all the different reasons why you could or couldn't or should or shouldn't do it. The only thing that you could potentially say you couldn't do it. And even this is not really true if the business would still be big. But if Canelo does fight David Benavidez on Cinco de Mayo, and recall, that's what he was saying when Jim Gray asked him, when do you want to fight next? He said Cinco de Mayo. And then, of course, they asked him who, and he's like, I don't fucking care. I was like, God damn, I love Cinnamon so much right now. He's the best. But in all seriousness, if it is going to be Cinco de Mayo, BC was already saying, you know, you've got this potential November-ish fight brewing between Demetrius Andrade and David Benavidez, assuming he wins that, it lines them up on a great date. The argument against it, BC, was what happens if David Benavidez wins? 
Number one, you're going to get a rematch with Canelo. That, that's going to happen, which means that will probably be in September competing with Noche UFC, by the way, when we get down to that point. There's lots of different kind of Dude, discussions if we're at, well. but Okay, but if we're at Canelo Benavidez 2, I think yeah. that's going to win out. I think that's going to win out. It'll win, but I guess the point I'm trying to make here is um, a Benavidez win, which, by the way, is very real and very possible. Like, that's a tough fight for Canelo. Make no mistake about it. Whatever you thought about Jermel Charlo's chances, David well, let, Benavidez is a a real one sixty eight. My only argument, BC, is David Benavidez winning makes the the reality of just the timing of a Terence Crawford fight all but impossible. You're and right. For that reason, that, you get a well, little bit that of would close fight. the door on it. But Canelo is not going to wait around, you know. So, um, I want to ask you how much did seeing that this version of Canelo is back and is possible again, right? That he's not sliding hard in the other direction. How much does that increase your excitement level for the Benavidez fight to potentially be next? The truth is, I do want to see Canelo Alvarez versus Terrence Crawford. Like, I do want to see that. I don't really know what it would look like. There's a part of me that feels like Crawford, as amazing as he is, would just move up and then be too small. And then you'd be like, well, that was fun, but not really worth it. I don't have any of those concerns against David Benavidez. Folks, I was a bit of a late believer in David Benavidez. The first gig I ever worked for Showtime in terms of covering any of their boxing events, BC and I interviewed David Benavidez when he was inside the quarantine bubble at Mohegan Sun, and he had just missed weight and lost titles on the scale. That was the first time I ever had interviewed David Benavidez. And I was like, he's obviously skilled, but he's just got to figure some shit out, right? Well, we're on the other side of that. I was skeptical heading into the Caleb Plant fight, and he looked amazing in he that contest. He got in contest. sick shape. He got in he really in good shape. He was in sick shape. It was a grudge match. He met the moment. We saw all the Mexican fans there. If there is anybody, 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 anybody who can beat Canelo at 168, make no mistake about it, his name is David Benavidez. That's the guy who is a real deal threat to Canelo. So for that reason... I really want to see it. I really want to see Canelo embrace. Because, you know, listen, dude, embracing the Bivol fight. Dude, the, the Bivol fight, you would agree, BC. It's a very tough challenge, but it's almost too tough. It's almost yeah, we're not like. Getting the, we're not getting the Bivol fight. Canelo's locked into PBC. So I'm it's just not saying, you can't say he wasn't chasing a tough fight. He was, it was, but it was almost too tough. It was almost right. too big. and Almost not pointless, but, you know, just kind of just a little too Sisyphean in the end. But then he takes on Triple G, and that was a little bit too lackluster. And then John Ryder, way too easy. Charlo, not enough of a defense. But Canelo's gotten right in that, in that time. Now is the moment to strike. Now is the moment to make that fight. Put him up against another rising superstar, or soon-to-be superstar, I think, who's got, obviously, the Mexican heritage as well, has a come-forward style, is going to be hard to hurt, is going to move downhill on Canelo at times, like, whatever Canelo rejuvenated on Saturday, every ounce of that is going to be tested against David Benavidez. Dude, the timing, that is the fight to make. On, on, here, on here's the why it is. Because the timing. You don't want Benavidez to get any better. And if you're Canelo, you just look like a million bucks on Saturday. Let's keep that going. Let's not F around. We don't, you know what I mean? Now is the time to do that. Luke, th I mean, this guy, ben, who Benavidez is, is like the extreme version of what Chavez Jr. ever could have hoped or his fans ever could have hoped. Because remember, there was like a window where Chavez Jr. was semi-legitimate. He won a middleweight yes. title. He was, you know, a weight bully. He just leaned on people and stuff. But this is a skilled version of that monster. 
this fight is what what did that Luke when I used to get invited to stags right you know like bachelor parties you know what I would bring right for the raffle you know the bag it. of porn this is what this is that fight Luke this is the bag of porn of pay-per-view boxing I hope it happens Cinco de Mayo next year because this is it this is this is it I mean this puts Canelo in that like aging but like still kind of like David position against this new young Goliath that is literally coming for his spot as sort of the face of Mexican boxing, even though, right. um, you know, Benavides is bo born in the States and raised in Arizona, but certainly he connects with both cultures though. Luke, I think Benavides is mother as what? He Ecuadorian? does. Again, yeah. again, I was kind of curious to see how the Mexican fan base was going to embrace him when he fought plant. The answer was fully. That, that oh, was yeah. the answer, fully. Yeah, and then Mike Tyson's like, you're the Mexican monster, so, you know, get rid of that other nickname, and here we go. But, you know, well, let's if be clear, dude. Crack, I know Canelo if, stopped him, and I think the plant fight went the distance, if memory serves. But, dude, David Benavidez beat Caleb Plant up much worse. Like, yeah, I know Canelo stopped him in the 11th or whatever, but, like, Plant took a beating against David Benavidez yeah. in the last, like, third of that fight where Benavidez was just marching on him. It Don't was forget, crazy. Canelo, the, the left-hand injury that we're talking about, left wrist, he injured it in the plant fight, and that was also a very busy and ambitious year where Canelo was kind of like yeah. running on fumes entering into that big fight. But, uh, yeah, dude, I mean, if if there were cracks in the armor, Caleb Plant would have exposed them, right? But Benavidez shut all that up. Now, it's not going to be up to him, obviously, to stay disciplined on that level. I mean, that was a an extreme cardio in shape version of him. He's got to bring that for all the big fights. I hope he does Luke because he's got that rare mix. I mean, dude, I, this is, this could be one of those ones that gets stupid pay-per-view numbers, right? This could be a million pay-per-view buy because you are taking be. that market, the best market in boxing, the Mexican fan base, Mexican American fan base, and you're giving them everything they want. This is, this is the Mexican. I mean, I don't want to speak for Mexicans. I, I, I have to be a little presumptuous, but from the outside looking in, it feels like of all the fights you can make between Mexican versus Mexican, this is the highest permutation of it. There's nothing, yes. there's no other two fighters you could put together that would get a fight as big as this, given that demographic. Even when Canelo fought Chavez Jr. at a point still where we were like, man, Chavez Jr. is pretty much a joke. He's only got a name left. And, you know, Canelo did it. It was a big event. It did a million buys, Luke. It did a million buys during a time when the only people that did a million buys were like, you know, Floyd and Manny, Floyd and Connor, and Triple G and Canelo. Like, those, that was the only time in that run anybody did a million buys in boxing. Chavez Jr. and Canelo did, and, you know, obviously the fight was a largely a waste of our time, but this would not be when you know what you're going to get in this fight. It's pro wrestling storytelling, too. It's just, it's kind of just, it's perfect. So, you know, but Luke, here's what we're arguing. Like, who else could it be if it wasn't Benavidez and if Crawford is lined up with Spence during that stretch? Well, here, it's, not gonna, it's not going to be Morrell, right? Here's what, it's not here's, it's definitely not going to be Morrell. But here's an interesting question. I don't find it likely, but we at least have to entertain the possibility. What if Andre beats Benavidez? He's skilled. I don't find that likely, but stranger things have happened. Yes. Now you're Canelo. You're still staring at that May 5th date. Let's say Crawford polishes off Spence again. So Crawford is at least available, right? Your choice is Andre or Crawford. Now, I, I know Andre has been tracing, excuse me, chasing the biggest fights and nobody wants to give this guy a shot. But if I'm Canelo, and I'm just speaking here logically, 
and my choices are Andre at 168 or Crawford, I'm taking Crawford. I'm taking Crawford a million times well, over yeah, Andre. Yeah. yeah, I do think an Andre fight would be acceptable at that point if he had upset, you know, uh, if he had beaten Benavidez for sure. Yes. I mean, especially if he had like exposed him and, you know, just out slicked him and stuff, then yeah, damn, suddenly we have a fight. But um, yeah, so the Spence thing is kind of in a weird way getting in our way because I wanted to ask you on the flip side, Luke, like, what do you think should be next for Charlo? Because Tim Zhu is fighting Brian Mendoza coming up on Showtime, and that is going to be for the full WBO title. So is it automatic that if Tim Zhu wins that, he should get Charlo next? Uh, yes, or, or, yes. What, I mean, is there if, any if, way if Bud Jamel versus Charlo, Charlo? Is there yeah. any way Bud versus Charlo is next under any form? No, right? Right, so so Bud takes to Twitter on Saturday night and tweets two things. One, he tweets to Bud Cross, excuse me, he tweets to Jermel that he should be ashamed of himself and that he laid down very harsh. And wow. then later on, tweeted to the world, but then tagged Charlo in it, saying that, you know, you're basically off the list of people I was even considering fighting. Because, you know, before, the idea of him going to 154 and fighting Charlo was very exciting. I still want to see it, but I get that the appetite has diminished. However, to answer your question... You've got Tim Zhu taking on Brian Mendoza. If you don't know who Brian Mendoza is, he's the guy who knocked, or yeah, he basically knocked out Sebastian Fundora, the really tall guy with a vicious left hook over the top. He can thump a little bit. He's going to fight Tim Zhu. Tim Zhu winning is the best thing that could happen to Jermel Charlo because not only does he have one of the belts, and if Charlo were to win again, he'd be fully undisputed again, but Charlo needs somebody that folks want to see him fight, that they would care about seeing him fight, and I think Charlo needs a performance like what Canelo had where he can restore some confidence in what he can do at 154. Tim Zhu is exactly that kind of guy. Not beatable, I don't mean in that sense, but the kind of guy that would get people up to want to see the kind of consequential bout that matters. Char Charlo performs well yeah. against him, BC, and I think he's I think he's cooking again. Yeah, he could be, he can be back with a big performance there, but it's almost <laughs> like if only we could all get Errol Spence to do this. Imagine if Errol Spence said, okay, imagine if they told him, look, Give up the contractual part of this. You're still going to get a rematch. But how about we go this way instead? How about Errol Spence fights the winner of Tim Zhu versus Brian Mendoza, thinking it's more likely probably going to be Tim Zhu, right? Fighting at home, still a very good fight. We'll see if Mendoza can keep up the upset streak. What about Spence versus Zhu to free Crawford up to potentially fight Canelo or Charlo? And you're pretty much guaranteeing Spence, you know, a, a big fight if he comes through and wins that wouldn't that fix all these issues no i don't, I don't hate it but it it's i don't i don't know what it really does for charlo charlo needs the tim zoo fight i think needs is a strong word but could greatly benefit from it i think is perhaps the better way i would look at it um i think he needs it and i think yes spence could use it too uh, to your point but charlo in the immediate sense i think makes a little bit more um logical uh sense for me all right, with that in mind, let's turn our attention to some MMA. BC, we missed a bunch of this as a consequence of having to cover all the boxing stuff, but now we can turn our attention to it. So let's talk about PFL Paris. The PFL had their debut in Paris, France, and by all accounts, it was a huge, huge, huge hit. The crowd seemed to be lively. It seemed to be well attended, and they had a lot of different things going on to flex some of their promotional muscle. In the main event, BC, Cedric Dumbay, one of the greatest kickboxers on the planet, made his PFL debut. He had fought in MMA before and wins in a total of nine seconds. 
How big of a moment was this for Cedric Dumbay? And how big of a moment was this for the PFL? Well, for Dumbay, it's massive because he's getting, you know, in these type of situations where there becomes a lot of hype around a signing here, you want to see if this guy can live up to like the superhero hype of of what he's done in other combat sports and to come in and deliver this. I mean, it just went perfect for him, right? Who knows if you can deliver that exactly again, but it speaks to kind of the, the momentum he might have behind him. And look, you know, did I think Poetan was going to get to the point where he is so quickly? No, I didn't. Turns out Alex Pereira's great underneath, right? Like he's a great fighter. He's a warrior. He's a student, all of that. I want to believe here that that Dumbe is anywhere as close to as good as he looked here. This type of performance, you know, really makes you have to follow the journey. So I think it's a big win for both. But to really kind of answer your question, this wasn't even available to, to watch in the States in like any right. form. Right. I don't see how that's even possible. And I thought that was a major disappointment because it felt like this was the right main event, the right card and the right energy to announce to people that may have watched PFL a few times that, oh, by the way, we have this PFL Europe thing and it's pretty awesome. And I think Dan Hardy's on it. Check it out. This would have been the perfect time to give the free drug sample, Luke, right? To get people hooked. Now they got to pay for it, bitch. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. How big was it for Cedric Dumbay? Massive. Massive win. What a, what a First of all, I, I don't know if the boys in the back have it. We, I should have said something, but I didn't. Did you see his walkout? Do we have it for Have You Seen This Shit? No, I, I, I failed to put PFL in that Have You Seen This Shit. So he did walk out with a, what, a, a mattress? He walked out with a mattress. And on the mattress, his, his opponent's name was Jordan Zebo. On the mattress in French, it said, Good night, Jordan. He walks out in big ass letters. Yo, that's badass. That's that's so fucking bad. He brought a mattress for his opponent and then knocks him out in single digit timing. Could not possibly have gone better for Cedric Dumbay. So for Cedric Dumbay, this is big. I don't know exactly what it means for PFL Europe, BC, because I don't even really understand what PFL Europe is right now. I know it's a budding effort, but it's really hard to say exactly what the brand's awareness or stock is but for pfl's efforts in france this was probably a home run as well my understanding is it aired on a channel called rmc sport which is like where all where ufc airs so you've got pfl airing with um folks that are well known within france like cedric dumbay he airs this he brings this mattress out he wins in nine seconds total home run now pfl got bailed out a little bit here a little bit because this went immediately viral on social media. Oh, there's a big-ass moth in my room. Jesus. I have to kill that thing on air. Um, okay. Or maybe it's a butterfly. I might have to kill it either way. All right. Anyway, point I'm trying to make is it went immediately viral, this clip of him knocking him out, plus like the clip of him walking around. It goes immediately viral on social media on Saturday. So for that reason, larger PFL got bailed out. But for them to not have an official U.S. broadcast, and I know what everyone says, turn on your VPN, just commit piracy. Guys, I know that if you're terminally online, you'll find some kind of way to watch anything, no matter where it's broadcast. I understand. That is not the same point as serving up the casual or somebody who could be waiting around for this opportunity, an official broadcast that's easy to get and powered through U.S. distributors. I mean, not how smart is your thing. cage? How smart yes. is your freaking cage? How did the Ask all? Jeeves cage not ask anybody else about I mean, this heading so, into it? 
do you think the SG's cage can speak any language almost with like a C3PO type of like instant quality, but yet really not, you know, C3PO was a mess nerves wise, right? He was like, he had, yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a soy boy, Luke. So uh, th does does the smart cage, does the Dash Jeeves cage, does it speak more like C-3PO or does it beep, boop, bop like R2-D2? I, I think it's probably Yo, more R2 like the R2-D2. Like, yeah, R2 had like a dirty humor side to him too. So I hope it has that level of personality. <laughs> but as of right now, like they didn't, you know, they got hit hard by the drug. Like how did the cage not see that drug testing issue coming for them? I don't know. Too, I know? don't know. Again, I'm going to wonder, you know, it's... It sounds it sounds more like the smart Jeeves or the ass Jeeves cage his, his mom drank when he was in utero. I'm 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 you know sad to report it just doesn't quite have the brain power that it needs. But BC, I'm not in any way going to call this a disaster for PFL because it's not. It's a home run in a variety of different respects. But to not have an official U.S. broadcast for something so special because remember. Cedric Dumbe was originally reportedly signed by UFC and that fell apart. This was a massive, massive coup for PFL to get a guy like this. And we've seen what, to your point about the Paredes and the Izzy's of the world, what they have done coming through as decorated kickboxers. And Dumbe, certainly a very decorated one, more than Izzy, I think a little bit less than Pereira, but nevertheless on par coming through because he was double champ, but whatever. He was also a great champ, too. Might be even better. I, leave it to the kickboxing folks. High level. The point I'm trying to make is we've seen what these guys can come through and with the right kind of matchmaking and everything else, the opportunities that are afforded to them and how quickly they're able to make use of it. He bailed them out big time here. It is unforgivable that they didn't have a U.S. broadcast. And there's one more point I wanted to make about this, B.C., we have talked about this potential of PFL acquiring Bellator. I've not checked in on that in a few weeks, but I'm guessing everything is still um, sailing ahead. Putting Cedric Dumbe in a tournament would be the worst fucking idea other than keeping the brand separate if PFL decides to acquire Bellator. That would be cataclysmically stupid to do that. This is a guy who can probably beat really good fighters, and is going to have a great career, but at this juncture needs the appropriate matchmaking like what Alex Pereira got when he first got to the UFC in order to maximize opportunity. BC, you will know that PFL is fucking this up if you see Cedric Dumbe enter any kind of tournament yeah. in 2024. Right, and if that tournament is filled with at least three guys named Magomed, Magomed. We're just going to wrestle so fuck him to death. Here's the deal. They have to. They, it'd be great if they you if they promoted him like Strikeforce did Kung Lee, right? In that early run, right. that like as an attraction, right. make make video game fights, you know. But Luke, what what division is Doombay? Believe he is. I think one seventy, one eighty five. Let me double check. Because I don't, you know, if you're PFL, do you try to get Michael Venom Page in free agency, and and is that a sort of fun super fight a little bit down the road? Against who? Against Doombay. Against okay, 170, yes. Um, there's a couple of interesting... Yeah, there's a couple of interesting ones you could make. I would have said if they were going to merge the rosters, MVP versus Cedric Doombay would have been interesting. Um, you, but obviously, he's going to be gone now. I just... You know, I just said that, right? I you just, said MVP? 
I said Michael Venom Page, which is oh, the long sorry. form. I was of trying to look this up. I was trying to look up the weight. Yes, it is 170, and I missed that part. I You're apologize. like, I don't I really like that fight, but let me tell you one that I really am into. <laughs> I missed know? that. I missed it. I, I thought you said Michael Chandler for some reason. I was like, I don't no, quite get that. I don't but, um, speak like that, no. But uh, well, anyway, he's a free agent, so I don't know if he's going to be re-signed. I don't know how that's going to work. But yes, he was 170. He's a 170 pounder. There's a lot of different ways you could go with that. I'm just pointing out, BC, the worst, worst choice is to put a guy like that in a tournament would be absolute. I don't have to use this word in a long time or this term anyway. Promotional malpractice. It would just yeah, be. A I'd put him in there bad. against Spike Carlisle ASAP. Okay. <laughs> I think you he's know? in Ryzen. I think he's in Ryzen. Oh, he's probably still available. He's probably you know like yeah. Uh, all right, BC. We're going to come back to this card here in just a minute, but let's stay with MMA if we can. Topic number four: Stamp Fairtex stopped Ham Seohi to become the new uh, one Atomweight champion. I want to ask you the significance of this win, but of course, BC, we have to comment as well. Angela Lee returned. We know she had had that post in the Players' Tribune discussing what had happened with her suicide attempt, the suicide of her younger sister. She returned at this event, but in regular clothing, and gave back her belt. She relinquished it and then formally retired from MMA. Now, she's still young enough where some kind of comeback down the road if she wants it is possible, but you can understand that the grief she is grappling with is too overwhelming to do much with other than to just deal with it, not co- try to compete around it. So, one, BC, give me your sense of what happened with Angela Lee, and then two, tell me the significance of Stamp Fair Texas' win. Well, the win became much more significant when it played out exactly like you said with Lee not only surrendering the title, but I have to say from a like television viewpoint of as a as a viewer, that was like dramatic, emotional television, having Lee come out and bear her soul like that and explain, you know, the reasoning behind the decision and how she's starting the uh, the fight foundation. She's starting where fighters will be able to openly share their their mental fight you know, story, highs and lows. I think it's called something. Like yeah, that. I think it's called fightstory.org. I'll check that. We got to double check that. But um. And then, you know, it added to the significance because, look, Stamp's a rising star for them. And they're really, you know, they're not even calling her Stamp Fairtex anymore. It's just Stamp. Like, they're making her into a Rod Tang. And she seems to be of that ilk. She had only lost, you know, at this level to Lee. And that was a tremendous fight where they both had big moments. And, you know, we're all sort of wondering, is that rematch coming down? I really respect the way that Lee came to this decision and the role she wants to play moving forward in all of this and how she wants to do all this, you know, obviously in in the name of her of her late sister as a tribute and, and to really take a You know, it's the best way you can take a tragedy and, and make good out of it. So I thought one captured this beautifully, like beautifully the way that this all happened. And then suddenly it's like, OK, our next fight is going to be badass and it's for the full championship. And dude, Stamp Fairtex delivered. I mean, she's a vicious vicious kickboxing luke i mean her her body strikes with the with the um with the back leg are just you know horrendous out there but she had to fight off some tough positions on the ground and and she earned it she's it's time now you know i heard what you said earlier about champion now in three different sports it, it may sound better than it actually is but she's young still stamp and uh this seems only the beginning of some really big things because for whatever you get down with the the character side that she brings, she's just as nasty in the cage. She's just as marketable as just a nasty fighter. Um, this felt like a like a big moment in that sense. Like 
her she took another giant step forward to toward becoming you know a, potentially a, a a big power player for one in terms of how they market and present I think it also was we were talking about the significance you know whether you want to say oh she's a three sport champion I mean I get that is technically true but the sports are when you say something like that there usually is a big difference between the sports and here they're all very very similar relatively speaking so I don't want to, to say it kickboxing Muay Thai and MMA are not different enough they are but winning in all three seems a lot more doable than winning again in something like basketball and track uh, these are very very different sports in that sense but BC if I may I'll tell you what the significance was for me in watching this contest dude uh her game is maturing a lot. She still brings a lot of her Thai kind of kickboxing focused game to to bear, but the body shots that she hit Ham with were vicious. Her finishing instincts are fantastic. Her positioning in this fight in general I thought was quite good. So there's a maturation that's happening there. And more to the point, like you know, I was looking up Ham. I remember when she was in the UFC in 2016 and 2017. You know, she was kind of an also-ran. I mean, she lost to Danielle Taylor. She lost, I think, to Beck Rawlings, if I'm not mistaken, or something along those lines. Like, she just didn't really get going. But since to leaving UFC, she hadn't lost up to that point. And she had beaten Hamasaki, who's obviously a very good talent, although an aging one as well. This was, her, I think, her first loss since then. Like, this was a Ham who was not only something of a, you know, a long-standing figure in this division and in women's MMA more generally... Um, but something of a veteran talent who has proven, I think, for for a while, and at least in the last five or so, six or so years, and for Stamp to go in there and just clearly be better, I thought, from the opening bell, basically, doing yeah. way more damage, pushing Hom around. Dude, she's really beginning to develop into something as a genuine threat, I think, in MMA, I know she's the champion, so obviously that's the case. I'm saying as somebody who's making the transition from kicking-based sports into MMA, which can be perilous if not done correctly, it looks to me like it's being done quite correctly, and the results speak for themselves. A dramatic and big-time important win for her, to be very Yeah, because look, she, you know, unfortunately she wasn't able to go through the, the defending champion who had already beaten her in a close fight to get it, but I think... She had, to your point, shown her improvement so much in the last couple fights that, you know, this she she still earned critical legitimacy with this win. To and the, the the title didn't change hands in the perfect way, but it still now has the right champion at the right moment. And look, I just want to say one more thing: when we talk about this merger of TKO, WWE, and UFC, sometimes we're like, well, is there is there certain things maybe UFC could benefit if they take some of that influence in? How about storytelling? One championship, and it's not just this fight. It was really every every match, if you watch this entire main card. They just do high elite pro wrestling level storytelling with the video packages. And really, you always know what they're at the most basic structure, who they are, what they're fighting for. And, it, and it's done in sort of a non-microwaved manufactured way that... Like, it actually hooks you. It actually gets you to care more than maybe you should or would. So that's a strength of what Chatri and company are doing over there, and, and you have to stop and commend that once in a while. Luke. Yeah, and I got to say, I, I wonder how you feel about this. So, like, the Amazon kind of connection here, obviously Amazon is the broadcaster for these events in the United States, which in general I like quite quite a lot. In fact, my commanders play the Bears on Thursday night on Amazon, and if you've never watched on uh, Amazon, they have something called, I think, Prime View or whatever, 
where it's this like totally enhanced way of watching it where you can see which receivers get open. You get to see all the route trees in real time. It's this incredible amount of added detail based on statistics and this real um uh, you know, real-time gameplay stuff that only really a company like Amazon seems like is capable of even doing. I did, however, find it hard to find on the Prime Video interface. Agreed. What do you mean? I had to search for it. Yeah, and even in the search, even when it brings up all the one championship events, you'd think yeah. this would be the most recent one. Instead, it was kind of buried. Yeah. Yes, that's my only real complaint is some of the interface is a little bit hard to use, which won't help them maximize their U.S. appeal, because part of the reason why this win is significant is that, to your point you raised earlier, BC, Stamp is really turning out to be somebody special for this organization. A champion across, again, however similar or dissimilar, three different sports for them. She's hugely valuable. She's got, like, dude, we're walking out with doing all the dancing and everything that she does, and the way which she's been able to connect to both American and obviously overseas audiences. This is somebody that's of value and importance to them. And it just feels like on the other end, while I like, I, I, I'm an Amazon Prime member. You know, I want to be very clear about that. I really like it. I just, I like had to like struggle for it to find it after the fact. And I just, I just wonder what any, what any of that means. Yeah, they, I mean, they need a landing rectified. page. They need a, you know, subhead landing page where you go to it and whatever the fight card that just happened is in the lead block overwhelming the screen so that you don't have to be lost. But, um, yeah, I like the I like what they're doing. I like the direction there that they're going, Luke. Um, it's got a good feel to it. So here's the here's the synergy of you mentioning Thursday night football. Ray Flores, uh, who we know very well from boxing, and we work with him occasionally on Showtime. He's now the main play by play voice. I thought he settled in well in this card. And if your Redskins are playing his Bears, Luke, do you follow Ray on Commanders. social media? I don't know. Commanders. Every time the Bears lose, he has these like you know two minute meltdown videos where I could just like I could feel the. The, the the pangs of his heart breaking, Luke, you know, under yeah. the weight of being a Bears fan. You know, maybe we can get a MK debate where you two, you know, your two awful football teams go ahead against one another. And, you know, I'm sorry, how good is cry. your football team? No, I'm just saying, look at the potential drama and emotion. One of you will probably break down. At least we could have the cameras rolling, you know? Yeah, well, your football team is decidedly worse. I just want to point that out. I don't have a football team at the you moment. You do. Luke. You just stop claiming them when they're bad. That's okay. No, no, that's not. No, no, you way. claim them when they're better. I've heard you do it. It's quite all right. You it's don't not, have to pretend not that's not works. the case now. I've heard you do it. We, we've done this before. That's okay. The thing about being a Commanders fan now is, I mean, some people are really upset, but BC, they got rid of Dan Snyder. Like, it's it, when they lose, I'm like, yeah, like the process of rebuilding starts now, you know. Uh, I'm not expecting them to win hardly at all. And they gave Philly a bit of a tough run yesterday. So, you know, go fuck yourself. How about that? Yeah, yeah. How about that, Luke? That's Luke, that's always your answer to everything. <laughs> now, straying off topic. Hey, how about you guys in the back? How about, keep getting rained on inside. How about that? How about that? Why don't you enjoy that? All right. Topic number five uh, here. Before Luke, we, do you we think, what, what do you think of, uh, of Ray Flo, his adjustment so far with uh, Mitch and, and Ace? I like Ray Flores. I'm happy for him. Um I think that, you know, Mitch Chilson and Rich Franklin, well, definitely Mitch Chilson, very caffeinated. He's got very high energy, you know, very high energy. I think Ray matches that really well. I do think Rich brings a lot of additional uh, insight to the commentary table. They tried having Angela Lee on during the fight, and, you know, God bless her. She's obviously going through a lot. I didn't think in terms of the fight itself it added a ton. Uh, no, but in, but, no, but the, she had, but the three-man she little, crew there is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, very slow in her delivery. I felt, yeah, I felt the same thing, but... Uh... I hear you. I like that team that they're forming. They're they're, in, they're going in a good direction right now. So good. All right. Last but not least, topic number five between PFL and one BC. Give me somebody else who stood out in this combat sports weekend. 
Um, uh, you know, I don't. I mean, there's a couple ways you can go right there, Luke. I, Would I you certainly... like me to go first since you seem unprepared for this question? Okay, Luke, go for it. Take the wheel. Okay, take the wheel. <laughs> All right, this is, this one's very easy. And another thing that was lost because the the there was no U.S. broadcast, which I cannot believe for PFL Paris, but this is where we are. How about the PFL debut, not just of Cedric Dumbe, but of Abdul Abdurragimov, who wins, I think, first-round rear-naked choke very easily. They lazy king. So we're talking about Cedric Dumbe and the UFC just kind of passing on him or having him and then, you know, falling apart, and he goes into the arms of PFL. I cannot believe they did not sign the, the UFC Abdurragimov. He was the two-weight world champion for Ares FC, which, of course, is based in Paris, France, um, known as the Lazy King. Obviously, he speaks English fluently, by the way, and French and uh, Russian as well. He can do it all. He's very multi-talented. Super experienced at this point. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. He was the two-weight champion, and UFC just seemed to just pass on him. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, he wins this, and the big story is, BC, we talked about Dumbe, and I don't think he should ever go into a tournament in 2024. Very different for Abdurragimov, who is yeah. much more experienced and, in his post-fight interview, said in English, he wants the smoke, BC. He wants to move down to 155. 155 and 170 have been his two weight classes. He wants to go down to 155, and he wants in the next lightweight tournament because he wants to win a million dollars. Shouts to the Lazy King. A great signing by PFL. A great debut on that card, and I would love to see him in that tournament. Well, sir, you're going to have to go through Canada to get that OAM, Luke. You know what I'm talking about? Right? He's going to give OAM a run for his money. Yeah, He'll probably. give OAM a run for so his Luke, money. So, Luke, while you wrongly identified me having no answer, I just had two answers in the end, and it okay. was hard to pick. So let me say, first, uh, you have to shout out Danielle Kelly going into that rematch yes. uh, with Jessa Khan. So it was for the inaugural one <laughs> Adam Waite grappling submission championship, whatever you want to call it there, Luke. But Khan had won their first meeting a couple years ago and then had been a world champion earlier this year. And, dude, Kelly brought that eye of the tiger, Luke. And, you know, th this is not necessarily my bag, baby, from the standpoint of this this combat discipline. I know they brought in that guest announcer who was really sort of handling the 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 coming and going in almost a Mike Tanay WCW type of way when they would bring in the luchas and the uh, cruiserweights. I know, not your bag either, Luke. But my whole point is this, this having interviewed her for, for Daniel Kelly, this match to her, seemed to really be about validation and getting past those who look at her as just, you know, a, a an American that's being shoved to the spotlight for marketability. She dug deep in there, came out of some pretty gnarly situations, including when Khan took her back. And, you know, for what the hell I know about grappling, Luke, that seemed like a pretty strong performance there. All right. Fair and, enough. And, and then the other one, Luke. Oh, and thank one, you, yes. thank you for completely no selling that or not validating it. I don't at have all. much to say about the Daniel Kelly saga. All right, then here's what else I want to say. Mario Barrios was really my heart oh, pick, Luke. Great call, great call. Because you know he he damn near stopped Jordanis Ugas and beat the the bags off of him. And although this was a 37 year old Ugas who was 16 months removed from the Spence loss, and yes, it seemed like his face, like he may be done. It probably is time. He probably should finish. But yet he was still dangerous, Ugas, and was in killer shape and brought the fight. Dude, this is a revived Mario Barrios with Bob Santos again in their reunion, their second fight back together. If he's going to be able to box like this against somebody, 
you know, as quick and as good of a counterpuncher as Ugas and find big success. Dude, he's a player in this welterweight division. I mean, you know, you're not going to favor him to beat, you know, Boots. And certainly we are. We just saw Barrios lose to Keith Thurman on the pay-per-view level. But he's a much better version of himself like this than he had been. Uh, big things ahead for the Aztec warrior, Luke. The El Azteca, as they call him. Um, this guy's, you know, we, we know he's a badass, but he resharpened those tools. And I think he's got a little bit of marketability to him, too, you know, and a good reputation. I mean, look at what he did to Ugas. People mm. don't do that to Ugas unless they're named Errol Spence, right? Yeah, I mean, Errol Spence, I think, beat up Ugas much worse than this. This one was a little bit more competitive. But nevertheless, two things. One, I do think Ugas has some real tough choices to make because that eye that Spence destroyed is still swelling very rapidly, and it was all from jabs. It wasn't like the hooks did that early. I mean, eventually they did, but the initial swelling that got kind of bad was all from just jabs, which just tells you that area is probably sensitive for life around that. So I hope he can be okay and maintain his vision and everything else. But to the point you raised about Mario Barrios, dude, let me just tell you what Bob Santos is getting out of him. He's getting out of him his best. He's getting out of him his best. And I, to your point, is his best good enough to beat Boots Ennis? Probably not. I'm skeptical of something like that. But on this night, it was more than good enough to beat a very aging but crafty. Cra- Dude, Ugas is crafty as shit. Yeah, and Ugas also landed bombs. Like, Ugas had times. rallies in this fight, dude. Ugas was in this fight until he wasn't. So, but here's right. the deal, Luke. Barrios at welterweight is not a big power puncher, but this is the best use of his skills, mixing the boxing with the attacking to, like you said, get the best out of him. Because he's not a finisher at this weight class, but he's aggressive, he throws high volume, and now when he's not there to be hit and he's moving like this, throwing combinations, it's a different dude, for sure. It's a different dude, indeed. I love that win for him. That was a very special win. That's a good call-out. I like that just the same. All right, that's it for our top five, BC. With that in mind, let's move, if we can, to the segment where the viewers and or listeners get to ask us questions. It's time for DMs from dogs. Yeah, he haw. He friggin' haw. All right. He friggin' haw. All right. I don't know if I have any, so I'll just read them off the screen. Someone may have sent them. I don't even know. All right, here we go. From strike.mx. Should Ugas's corner, good question, have thrown in the towel, especially after the second knockdown in the 12th, his corner knew he was losing basically the whole second half of the fight, taking damage at almost 38. What were they thinking? BC, what were they thinking? Well, it's not just the corner. I didn't really love referee Thomas Taylor's performance in here. I felt like, I mean, he was like... The doctor checked the eye before like a bunch of rounds. Like, I think Taylor would have been more than okay stopping that, you know, after the third time the doctor looked at it where Ugas is a bloody mess and he's getting knocked around and Taylor's like, you know, the, the mouthpiece kept coming out. I know eventually he did take a point, but... You know, to not rinse off the mouthpiece and to just jam it back in his face is kind of disrespectful. Ugas is basically like, yo, what's going on? And it's just delaying the fight. He's not going to win it at this point. You're risking, you know, in some cases, potentially his the quality of life future with his eye. I don't get how everybody conspired together to just sort of open the floodgates and let him get to the finish line. Now, that says nothing negative against Ugas's heart. I mean, same thing in that Spence fight. He was willing... To, he was willing to risk it all. I mean, if you look back at all of these stories of how these Cuban athletes were able to, you know, leave Cuba and get to the States in the manner in which they did, you know, you never question that heart and what they're all about. And he was willing to show that. But, 
who's more to blame Dude, in the end? He's been too willing to show that. He showed too much yeah. of that in the Spence fight and too much of that in this fight. And that's that may, where the team, may... that's where, yes, the team is probably most at fault. But again, I don't know what the referee was going to gain about making sure that fight went the distance. The fight was over. The fight was over. It was. It was yeah. over. I, I think they could have stopped it. I'll say this. I'll say this. If that was his retirement fight, I sort of understand it. I do a little bit. But if that was just, hey, we want to get back out there as soon as we can, and they just let that fight rock the way that it was, then that was indeed, uh, they did him a disservice yeah, and there's a, no probably moral hastened victory. the end of his career. Yeah, Especially when we already know that you're a warrior. It's different when you're 23 and you're like, I got to prove to everybody, win or lose, that yeah, you know, exactly. I, I want the smoke. This is different. You you've already proven it. Like you you know like you said, he's coming a danger to himself in that regard. And so the tough conversation is in order. And I do think it's time to go, Luke. I do. I mean, he's a great great fighter, had a great career, but you're really risking an uncertain future if you're gonna if you're gonna push it too far. Your How do you physical say limitation. In Spanish? What's the what's it? Uh, what what did you say, Luke? Fifty four in Spanish. Oh. uh Quincente, quincentro, cuatro, milagros. Biatch. Nailed, it. Nailed yeah. it. That's exactly correct. What is it? Si- what is it? Tr- Cincuenta y cuatro. Cincuenta y cuatro milagros. Yes, which yeah, that milagros. is his mother's name, Luke, which also fif- translates to miracle, right? Miracles. Milagros. Miracles. And then the 54 is his best friend and co-manager, Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman. All right, very good. Question number wow, two. Wow, you just gringoed that. I mean, look, did, we're among friends here. We can speak with heavy curves on our pronunciations of Latin names. It's an open forum for that, Luke. Say, say carne asada. It's keto, bitch, right? Yeah, it's a keto. Yeah, all right. That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. and bits. Kibbles and skits and bits and bits and, yeah, all right. All right, question number two. Let's see it. Let's see it. Let's see it, boys. All right, uh, from Von Beckkack. Do the Diaz boys go into the Hall of Fame? Um, they're probably gonna. So the question is, do they go into the Hall of Fame? Not should they go into the Hall of Fame? If the question is, do they go into the Hall of Fame? I think the answer is probably yes. If so we're talking about is, the UFC Hall of Fame. I think yeah. they both will. And I don't think they would have if Diaz didn't, like, if if he didn't stumble into a into a series with Connor and then really like keep his reputation cool through different swerves and curves, including, um, you know, fighting in the BMF inaugural fight and all of that, that I think Nate becoming like such an unlikely, like crossover household star through the two McGregor fights. I think they had, uh, all of that offsets, whatever negatives they brought to the table in Dana's eyes. I think in, in totality, they look at the Diaz as a plus having, gone through the experience with them, Luke. So, yes, that I will mean, get I mean, the Diaz brothers are a treasure to the fight game. I want to be very clear about that. In many ways, I think th- this is less true now, but for a time I thought they had some pioneering training methods. They've certainly had the correct view about it being prize fighting more than a lot of their other MMA brethren. They've just been ahead of the fight game in a lot of ways. But, like, if we're talking about should they be, not do they, but should they belong in the Hall of Fame? I don't think that they should. They've, they've had title fights, both of which they got wiped yeah. in. No, they're um, not real. If there was a hard and fast line like like they typically have in the Baseball Hall of Fame, although I'm think, seeing like Scott Rowland getting in and then you're like, wait, what? So maybe not. But um, if they had that kind of I mean, look, the Pro Football Hall of Fame seems to largely have a pretty, pretty hard standard, right, of who gets yeah. in or out. Then, no, they 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 don't. I mean, could you make 
more of a pioneer case for Nick in some ways. You could. Maybe. You could. Strike Force champion. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, they're close. I mean, look, Arturo Gotti was a Hall of Famer. Even though he had been a world champion, there's a lot more titles in boxing. But when he went in in the boxing one, it was the first time we were sort of like, okay, maybe we're going to fudge it a little bit and say, yeah, he was world title level, but this is about his heart, his entertainment, you know, all of that, his warrior status and what pe- what he meant to people. In that regard, under that heading, the Diaz brothers could fit into that perfectly. Yes, under that under that rubric, it would work. Yeah, I agree. Oh, we shall rubric. see. I like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, question number three from Fisher, or yeah, Fisher Adian. If Pedro wins the light heavyweight title and him and Izzy both retire, then who would have had the better MMA career? Izzy, how was this a? Well, I mean, no? if he was a two division champion in that short of amount of fights, and he would have held a knockout win over Izzy. It's not that he's not in this discussion, Luke, but the totality of Izzy's title defenses and the high-level talent he defeated along the way, I think, would also trump out and say, you know, because you can't, you can't like count the, their kickboxing experience into this argument, right? I mean, you correct. Can't, You're right? just we're talking about who had a better MMA career. Yes, then uh, yeah, then definitely it's Izzy, but but I don't think it's like automatic. Like, are you a freaking idiot for trying? No, to No, I don't think you're a freak. I don't, I don't think I don't think it's crazy in that sense because obviously one guy would have two belts, the other one wouldn't, and wouldn't that automatically mean more? I think what I would say about Pedro's career is if they retired under the way in which the question was worded, you know, who had the biggest bang for the buck? It's like Pedro or Brock Lesnar. I don't know. That one's pretty competitive, probably. Pereira, to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I remember when Brock came into the game and just took it over and was this immediate sensation, certainly in ways even that Pereira was not. In fact, most fighters were not. But to get in like a, basically under 10 fights to get two different titles yeah, is fucking absurd. I yeah. mean, that's absurd. That's absurd to be able to do something like that. So that would be, you know, it would be it would be special as shit. Don't get me wrong. I mean, imagine if he had on his MMA resume wins over Sean Strickland, Israel Adesanya, Jan Blahovitz, and then Yuri Prohatska. Even for a small sampling, that's 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 hella, that's absurd. Luke. That's absurd. That's hella. That's yep. And for a guy who everyone's like, oh, he can kickbox, he can't wrestle. It's like, well, shit. I guess the kickboxing's good enough. I mean, yeah. if you're yeah. getting wins like that, Jesus, like I guess you got you figured something else out, out right. Uh, that's maybe be, he would be amazing. It would be amazing. I don't. I, I wouldn't hope he pulls it off for that reason. Cook. Yeah, right, Luke. You don't expect supermodels to be good cooks, right? Sometimes you got to just lean on your strength. You know. I never. Heard I mean, I don't necessarily believe that me going sandals on a plane is the same thing as breastfeeding, Luke. Let those let those kids. Yeah, breastfeeding work. is justified. You going yeah. sandals on a plane means that someone should hit your balls with a car antenna. That's what that means. Yeah, but do you know how great having the first class bed was when you didn't think, when you had no idea you were I, I need that? to talk to someone at Showtime on how sleep. you got the bed to my city and I had to take the layover in Chicago. Because you know that feeling. That. It's not just four hours sleep only. It's five nights in Vegas, right? I mean, we, we, worked, we worked hard around, you know, start to finish and... To get, I mean, I could have, I could have, if I had died there for whatever reason, they would have said he went out doing what he loved, Luke, sleeping comfortably and happily. Yes. yes. Masturbating in the bathroom? Yes. No, no. I did have to hop over my neighbor to get to the bathroom. Like I held it as long as I could, like past the burning feeling, but now into like the, am I, am I risking, you know, future 
operation of this apparatus if I keep holding. So I had to like jump over the guy who was in the. It was weird, but I got. I, I tell you, happen. the guy next to me, he tried to get. He tried to get like real, like I'm in charge here with me, and I was like, Nah, we're not. We're not playing that. So I had to sit on the outside. He had to sit on the inside, <laughs> and I had sat down first. And wow. he gets in front of me and is like kind of leaning and pointing at his seat, but like kind of like right on top of me. He's like, I have to get there. But he, the way he said it immediately pissed me off. So I just looked up at him real slowly and I go, well, first you have to move so I can get out. Oh, you did that was, real passive aggressive yeah, style. Yeah, super passive that, aggressive. Yeah. I was like, well, first you have you know to what? move. He right away, he's like, oh, you's a bitch. I know it. Like he, no. was, he was. Oh, he was real friendly after that. No, 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 no. Oh, he that backed down, you're saying? Oh, he backed, he, you know, you know that movie Never Back Down? His favorite movie is Always Back Down. That's what his wow, favorite movie wow. is. Wow. Was this Because man, he was a, definitely a very, he, and then when I stood up next to him, he's old and frail, and I'm looking over him like fucking, you know, Mutombo fucking giving him one of these. He was a little bit more friendly about it. I've noticed that. He's like, I got to get there. Oh, but I'm this like, is like an all, elderly like, guy. All, don't talk to me like that. I'm not your you fucking kid. You can't celebrate Duncan on an elderly guy, though. I mean, he wasn't on, this... super elderly. He, he, the thing is this. If you're one of those rich elderly people who just thinks that you can talk shitty to everyone and it's going to be okay, it's not going to be okay at certain times. And it wasn't okay with Thomas House. Yes, yes. No, 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 no. I got. I need to get there. You need to get the fuck out of my face. Is what you need to do. You old piece of shit. Yeah, this is Latin. Hope hope you don't die on the flight, motherfucker. All right. Next question. Life expectancy of Thursday. Have an ass, bitch. All right. From morning bucket. (laughs) Brian and Luke, what are what are each of your top five, I can't read for shit, top five boxing fights that you think someone getting into a boxing after MMA should watch? I find it difficult whole video. to know where to start. We got a whole video if you search on the uh, youtube.com slash morning combat channel that of Let uh, me ask a question out. in this way, BC. Which of the Gotti <laughs> Wards is the best? Uh number one by far is the best one. Three is pretty good. Uh two is awful except for round three which is amazing that, round three is amazing but that's yeah. largely a one-sided unexciting fight because god he chose to box which was always going to be his strength to beat an aging ward but you know in the first fight he he decided he chose violence in the first fight and that's why it, it's my favorite fight all right so, all so let me go with this one so you can pick one of those we'll make this easy for him your favorite roy jones jr fight You know, just for entertainment purposes, I love his destruction of Murky Sosa in Madison Square, Square Garden. I think it's like 95 it's or 96 because Sosa brought bombs and was kind of a herky-jerky fighter. And, I mean, Roy's just, that's peak Roy of like, you know, during the same time period when he put his hands behind his back. Like, that's just next-level ballerina, but ballerina with Edward Scissor hands, on, you know, to finish people with. I mean, he just – he defied everything. He de- There's never – I don't think we've ever seen a combat. This is what this is why Roy is Anderson Silva's like God. I don't think there's ever, ever been a combat sports athlete who was that quick twitch athletic. It obviously also helped that Roy was, you know, a genius and 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 also was you know his backbone was incredible. His work ethic was incredible, but dude, no one's ever been that athletic in combat sports before. Like it was like. Yeah, the, the gap nuts. between him and his opponents in that regard, which allowed him to break all the rules in terms of technique and, you know, put himself like Nassim Hamed in seemingly awful situations only to then lightly counter you and knock you flush out. Yeah, uh, 
if you don't, I feel like, isn't it weird? I think the Mayweather-Pacquiao era was so commercially successful that to some degree it has drowned out Roy's era like right before them. And, you know, Roy was never, even though he got the, the Jordan sponsorship and even though he was obviously very popular, wasn't a huge solo pay-per-view star. Like there was a limit to his popularity in that regard. So I feel like unfortunately, because a lot of people's introduction was old Roy, who was lingering and getting knocked out in his late forties. Like he, he almost had a Bo Jackson like career. You know how we say Bo Jackson was like this comet that just came through, but Roy had a Bo Jackson career over like a full decade of just like, I can't believe what I just saw moments. There's nobody like him, Luke. A couple more favorite De La Hoya fight. Ike Corte. Okay. Uh, favorite Mike Tyson fight? The first Holyfield fight. Ooh, how about this one? Favorite James Lights Out Tony fight? Jerov? Oh, Vas- Vasily Jerov. Even though that's not prime James Tony. That's, that's actually not his prime at all. No, no. His, I mean, dude, him at super middleweight when he was legitimately pound for pound best in the world for a stretch, you know, and then he fought Roy. And uh, I mean, that dude... James Tony, for as much as he lingered and did things he shouldn't have and is still trying, I think he's fighting Razor Reddick coming up. Like, what are we doing here, folks? Um, despite all of that, dude, prime Tony was no joke, but the Vasily Jeroff win at Cruiserweight, which he had almost no business even being there in the first place, dude, that's just, that's the peak of, like, old man strength and balls and just leaning on his technique, and damn, that's a inspiring People are talking about fight. the Philly shell in MMA, and I'm like, they always talk about Floyd having a good Philly shell. But yeah. his was very defensive, you know? Go check out the, the Philly shell of James Tony. This motherfucker had, I mean, he would make you miss six inches in front of him and then set you on fire with it. So the guy was asking and, for five fights. Those are five fights he could easily pick from right there. And he, you know, don't forget, he beat John Ruiz for a heavyweight championship. He he failed the steroid test and they stripped him of the title. And I'm not saying at that point that that version of uh, Ruiz was, you know, was a killer, but he actually carried it all the way to the heavyweight level and actually won a title in a big ass fight. Yeah, he did drugs, but I mean, you know, every I mean, everyone they all did drugs. They all did drugs. All right, uh, next from underscore Kate LW. What concert would you like to see in Las Vegas? Sphere? Did you see all the stuff that came out? Of it? Are you two so, played there? How yeah, many we were there. Did you take? We were there, the, not in it, but that's the same night that this debuted and that U2 has like the residency and then I, then on other bands already have secured it for a certain stretch after that. Yeah. I saw the videos, Luke. It looks like Insane. IMAX on steroids, on yes. ecstasy, on more steroids with then more Molly. And then like just, yeah, yeah. Like whatever Elvis was on the night he croaked on the toilet, Luke, he was probably, you know, he probably went out again doing what he loved. Like my man was ways. on cold medicine and fried banana sandwiches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, if you actually research it, they, like the his handlers get put out at like an autobiography and they talked about how much they how much drugs he was actually on oh, uppers was, and downers his, his you could have you could have you could have killed a rhino with the amount of you could have killed all of the budweiser clydesdales we have can one we, more can we do the shit now or what hold on we have one more is that it that's it all right bc it's time for your feces. Yeah, it's Let's been a while it. since we did these, and I had some good ones left over, so I tried to put together just a just a batch of wildness here. I scoured the globe, all that. You know how it goes. It's called Beasties Feces. Come and see my she-app. Yeah. Yeah.
you think about that, BC? Oh, did is it already time to hear that? <laughs> That's t- what did you eat that that fueled that? What was I the, don't, I don't uh, you know what the thing was? I think my stomach was messed up because I hadn't eaten. Um, so wow. I don't know, but uh, you need Harataki then, Luke. You know that thing Rashad's trying to get us to start that powder. I bought some. I haven't started it yet, but I gotta I'm tell gonna... you, I love Rashad, and I'm I'm not saying he's not in healthier shape than I am, but I'm a little skeptical. It's because of. Harataki, I can just say. No, that Chef Kaz backs me up. He he uses it, Luke. He's not just the Harataki Club president. He's also yeah. But Chef Kaz is going to wear Nikes and drink, you know, Jonestown Kool Aid at some point. Oh, he looks like that kind of okay, guy, that went that went too far. I need to defend my friend. But that's just a let's, guess. I'm not making a claim. I'm let's go to guessing. Canelo Charlo in Las Vegas. So that co-main event on Saturday, Luke Jesus Ramos Jr. Erickson Lubin turned out to be a unanimous decision for Lubin when a lot of people had Ramos winning. Here's yeah, Canelo's. Here's Canelo's reaction in the locker room. That's BC's reaction when I'm like, hey, BC, you want to go get dinner together? And he's like, I'd rather fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah, die, bitch. Come on. I, just, I mean, look, you know, do I have to spend every waking minute on the road with you, or can I just limit it to the uh, broadcast? No. Hey, we had a, I'll t- tell you what. Shout out Alan Dawson from uh, – from a few yeah. different pro box and from a few different places there. Great bloke from the from the UK. It was great catching up with him. What was the name of the place he took us to? Bird Dogs? Yeah, Brew Dogs. With that Brew dogs. they are rooftop uh Vegas strip bar. Yeah, that was pretty badass. It was All actually right? nice. Had a nice little view. And Luke Real recognized Real after Canelo Charlo when Floyd Mayweather was there ringside, dabbed Canelo up ten years after their meeting. Did you enjoy this moment at all, Luke? I did. I mean, I thought Floyd kind of made it all about himself at the post fight press. Well, which was a little weird. <laughs> Speaking of that, Luke, yeah. 17-year-old Mayweather promotion signee, and this is a big one, Carmel Moton. Is that how you say it? Mo- Moton? I think that's how, or Moton. Yeah, I'm not sure how you say he it. He is a big-time prospect, made yes. his pro debut Huge. on the undercard, but then Floyd kind of stole his, his thunder in the press conference. Here's a little snippet of it. No, no, no. What, 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 what are we rating myself on? What are we rating on? Okay. The, uh, what, what, what we want to know in the least amount of fights – you know, I didn't have to have 70 fights or 150 fights, 300 fights. Did, did I did I not beat the most world champions? Yes, you did. Okay. And in the least amount of fights? Yes, you did. Who got the highest gate? Floyd Mayweather. Who made the most money? You did. Who, who was the most accurate fighter of all time? You were. So it's basically saying that... The greatest of all time. Okay. All right. <laughs> no disrespect, champ. No disrespect. Luke, only that wasn't the end of it. Floyd would go on to defend his own legacy multiple more times. Look, this was what, to be fair, this is what boxing Twitter used to talk about in the early uh, Tank Davis days, that maybe there were times that Floyd commandeered the microphone too long and overstayed his welcome. Um, Luke, he literally pushed his young prospect out of the way to defend his good name, Luke. That was it's like it's 2023. How are we still... We still, I mean, I just want to be like, tell Floyd, it's like, Floyd, look at me, Floyd. You won. You yeah, you won, did win, Floyd. Floyd. You won. And did I always say the, his... You won all the fights. You won all the belts. You won all the money. You yeah. won. Relax. And his legacy is going to only improve like a fine wine day by day. Because I do think some of it is because he's so aggressively played a, a character, you know, like an evil genius villain who made it so much about the money that... Look, I was one of the biggest ones who were writing columns back in the day for ESPN. You know, Floyd, just finally fight Manny, get it over, you know, show us who you are. In the end, Luke, he did fight everybody he should have for the most part. It was under his control. But when you look back at who he beat and how he beat them, I mean, 
Floyd was Floyd's freaking amazing. Floyd well, is Floyd's great. amazing. But, it's I mean, only on going to get better. On the dais, it said Canelo Charlo. It's just that's like, fair. Floyd, we don't have we don't need to be having this right now. Uh, Luke, did you see this wholesome moment in Canelo's locker room before the fight when his son Saul Jr. Dude, this was great, right? Look yeah, at this. This is awesome. His, his, his little kid's got some great movement already for a little for a little yeah, youngin. Look at him in the robe, too. This is wonderful. Did they wrap his hands? No. No. I thought for a second they had wrapped him, but I mean, I could see you and Tooks doing something like that one day on an MK set live at a fight, Luke, okay? I, I don't want to take Tukey anywhere near fights if I could have it all avoid it. Is it because you don't want the fight game to negatively rub off on her, or you don't want her to turn into, like, a Tasmanian devil during the uh, live A little broadcast? column A, column B, but, like, okay. people in combat sports just don't want to reconcile with the fact that no one in the ranks wants to do anything about there being awful people everywhere. Folks always ask me, like, oh, you're going to take Tuki to train jiu-jitsu? I'm like, yeah, probably not. Probably not, because your gyms are full of people who treat women like shit. So, probably not. Yeah. All right. Luke, it was a big week for Bud Crawford beyond those cold-blooded tweets at Jermel Charlo. Here's the shirt that we talked about on the post-fight show Saturday that he rocked on the red carpet. That's winning right there, Luke. If you Do can you pull remember that, that episode of The Cosby Show? Or who yes. was the son? Who was the Cosby son? I forget his name. Theo. Theo. Where he had to stitch his own shirt, or like one of his sisters Dude. had to stitch his own shirt. What was, and it the, was name the most of fucked the shirt? up looking thing ever? It was like a Gordon Gartrell or something, and Theo yes, wanted it so like badly. That. Yes, and Denise yes. was like, "No, I'll make it for you." And then, oh, dude, I got to show a picture. I can't. We can't do it in real time, but. Adrian Broner once showed up on a Showtime broadcast in basically a Gordon Gartrell, like the craziest shirt ever. But dude, I think Bud pulled it off there. Like I'm not clowning him. Like he looked like a like the badass that he is. But Luke, watch this. You talk about bonos every sport he touches. So does Bud Crawford. Here is a flag football game. It's the last play of the game. Bud is the quarterback. Look at him elude it and throw the bomb. Game-winning touchdown. He's got those Tebow mechanics, but he's an athlete. I mean, there's no denying Game-winning touchdown. And then there's... He's an athlete. We've always known the legend of Terrence Crawford, the youth wrestler. How about his grappling and jujitsu skills here? I'm going to guess this was somebody on his team that challenged him and it went wrong. But look, watch the technique here. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, for someone who doesn't really train, that's actually really good. Uh, Dude, he's an athlete. I mean, there's no denying Bud Crawford. I mean, look at him. Stuffing it. Got a good down block. He's going to turn and he's going to get behind and then put his hands together and then cradle this fucking guy. Look at this. And he's going to turn into the cradle. Watch. Flip him. Boom. Pin. Terrence Crawford's an athlete, boy. Make no mistake Dude, imagine, about it. Imagine him with 10 years of MMA training at featherweight. He, I, he's one of the few guys that I think could have been a champion in any combat sport, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also that dude. I mean, do you see like a lot of people tweeting like, you know, Charlo didn't show the killer instinct that we've seen in other fights, unfortunately. Bud might show that. Bud would have to bring that to a Canelo fight. You have to bring that. You may have to lean on that. But he's I don't not think, that yeah. I think if Bud fought Canelo, you would not get Mikey Garcia, Spence 2.0. You would get no, win get or lose, fight. you would get yeah. a different effort. Indeed, indeed. Uh, let's go to the classroom, Luke. I, th- this is, look, feels like a younger version of you. Let's listen in on this exchange. What's your name? What? Can you sing for us? <laughs> That's basically yeah. life on the road with Luke Thomas. Just By so the way, did you see know. the shirt he was wearing? Did you see the shirt? What did it say? 
What did it say? It said, it said Minor Threat, a Washington, D.C.-based band. Do they, do they practice, like, uh, honor-killing-style songwriting, Luke? It's a punk band, but uh, I'm glad you're not knowledgeable about it at all. It's okay. Okay. All right. Well, Luke, whenever we see Dana White, he's always hanging out with these, like, teenage influencers. And what is this all about? I don't know what happened here, but look at this interaction. Yeah, show that show that influencer who's boss. Luke, do you have any comments about this? I, I don't know why it's on the show. That's my oh. only comment. All right, there you go. Uh, that looks staged to me, though. I don't understand. You it, think but, so? Uh, Dana chewing gum there through the whole thing? Yeah. Luke, do you know about this rising pro wrestling villain, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman? Friedman you know whatever full his name well. Is? I have no fucking idea who this All is. All right, he's a star on AEW, like a breakthrough star and a great okay. heel. They do real press conferences after some of these big AEW events where real journalists ask questions, not about the, you know, not under kayfabe, but like questions about the performance. Here's MJF fielding a reporter here. Let's listen in. Coke, the Mark Hoke Show, 101.5 FM Don here in Las Vegas. Congratulations on your victory tonight, sir. Congrats on having type 3 diabetes, Mark. How may I help you? Eh, not quite. Mm, not quite. fat, but it's okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, hold on. Know. Let me ask a question. What is type three diabetes? I don't know, but that's dude. That was pretty uh, cold blooded, right there. I mean, he's be he lives the gimmick. That guy. All right. Yeah, I was about to say the guys here covering him, and they're just that's the new thing. The new thing is to just absolutely just shit on the media as much as possible. That's the new. Dude, remember how Back to the Future? The main crux of the movie was going back in time and changing one key pivotal outcome. And then you see how much that dictated the rest of your life. What if when John tried to send you to hell at 217 at that press conference, you delivered a comeback like that? And we look back and you're not George McFly, angry, frustrated dad. You're a superstar, a published author, George McFly. You know what I'm saying? We're, I don't like, think I'm an I'm an angry person, but I'm not a frustrated dad. I'm actually quite happy to be a dad. That's one of the few things that's gone quite well. Also, just sort of thinking about it, I should have had a comeback, but I wasn't as aware at that time as I am now about how much disdain there was for me, yeah. especially well, in the I, fighting class. Is, so, is that true? So you don't think that was a John Jones issue? That was sort of like a you were become, you were getting a reputation at that time? Um, I mean, I'm not sure about the reputation. It was just after that fight, I kind of was like, I wonder who else feels this way. And then I went through and tried to like sort of see, and most of the most of my relationships were just fine actually, but there was definitely I, I definitely uncovered I would say three or four more. In fact, there was one guy um, who after that I, he was a he was a champion around that time. I tried to get an interview with him, and I had been getting interviews with him for years, and he stopped returning my texts, and so I got an intermediary to see if I could like uh, make it work, and that person even. Even the intermediary told me that that person refused to meet with me. That person's now a has-been, and, you know, I don't really care about him. But, yeah, there was a fair amount of disdain at the time. Wow. Well, Luke, I'm here to tell if you. you listen, it- if you're not relentlessly positive about fighters, you're going to make enemies. It's, you have a choice. You can either be nothing but positive all the time, or you can choose to just be like, I'm just not going to have relationships with some of these guys, and I choose the latter. So there you, you go. You can make friends, or you can make money, right? Yeah. The you money can make the money miles, making Luke. friends in this business. I just don't want to do it that way. The only thing that matters in the end, the money and the miles. That's what the old wrestlers say. 
And the That's Somas. True. Those guys That's took the true. shit out of yeah. Somas. Hey, let's go to, hey, broadcasting bloopers, Luke. They're really the best bloopers. Let's let's hear the local news. Jacksonville man just won a million dollar jack off. Jackpot from a scratch off where he bought the winning ticket. That's a head. Dude, I've been trying to win a million dollars from jacking off for 44 years, buddy. Let me tell you. Haven't, uh, haven't, found, haven't found that one yet. Yeah, that hasn't been financially prosperous as of yet. Uh, let's hear the local weather. Miles, some sunshine, 60. Thursday, partly sunny skies and 57. And to another woman who likes to be double-fisted in a different way, I think, Jess. <laughs> she means beer. She means beer. Uh, guys, she means beer. Don't put me on YouTube. My God. Yeah, we're going to take a pause. We're going to keep going. Uh, we're on yeah, right I mean, now, guys. We're watching I would rather it not be. I'd be more curious to get to know her. <laughs> Luke, it's not just local news who get trapped in things. Here's Chris Collinsworth back on the program. You go, oh, oh, I get why he led the Legion in Russia. He looks like he weighs about 200 pounds from the waist down. Just big, thick, Saquon Barkley kind of looking. Right what did you say? <laughs> Did he really say that? Dude, Chris Collinsworth is like, yo, this man's hog is like 500 pounds, and I just want to see it and just touch it like a circus animal. <laughs> Did you ever see? Yeah, we played it on Have You Seen This Shit Once, that video of Chris Collinsworth when he was like his second year in the league, and it, he was talking about how he like goes and manipulates these girls and gets, yeah, you know, like it was kind of weird, right? It was kind of weird. It was kind of Yeah, weird. I mean, you know, the entire 1970s and 80s was just, you know, 100% pro rape. I mean, it was just, you know. Oh, okay. You, that's now that's. Dude, extreme. you watch. We've talked about this. You watch Revenge of the Nerds, and part of the humorous storyline is that they yes. trick this girl into these sexual escapades by just switching out the partner. It's like. And hidden who, cameras. Who Luke. greenlit this? We we got Bush, right? I mean, that's an indelible line from our youth, right? Hair to pie, right? I mean, yeah, we turns, were there. We lived it. Turns out know? it's just pro rape stuff. Wow. Hey, Luke, we celebrated the villainous change of Johnny Eblen and his. Title defense in middleweight at Bellator 299 against Fabian Edwards. But I did get a lot of people coming back in the DMs and saying, guys, he stood up and spit at him after defeating him. Luke, let's check the videotape. Watch Eblen closely here. So people said that he did, and then Eblen later denied it. Do you believe him? No, it looks like he's spitting right there. It looks like he's spitting. Yeah. I don't know if that's a pump fake spit, which is, you know, also like giving somebody like nothing the finger. Came out. Like he tried to spit and then nothing came out. I pointed this out before. Michael Bisping did this to um, Jorge Rivera's corner yes. after their fight. He went and spat on the corner. So, I, I listen, here's what I always say. You cannot in any way condone someone spitting on their opponent. I mean, it's obviously inappropriate. But I try to like judge them not in the moment, but afterwards and how they handle it. So if he's lying about spitting, that's bad. But if he's saying he didn't spit and he's telling the truth, you know, that's sort of. Now, I don't know out. what was ever said to start this beef. The beef was kind of fun to see in some of the pre fight trash talk. But, you know, I'm certainly not going to condone, you know, you just beat the guy. I'm not going to condone spitting. No, you can't you know? spit on people. No. I mean, that's it was sort of me. like, hey, you know, I can't condone Habib drop-kicking Dylan Dennis. He probably had it coming, Luke, but I don't know if I can condone that after 229, you know? 
All uh, right. I don't know. Dylan Dennis kind of deserves all of the negative shit that comes his way, right? Let's see if he goes in there against Logan Paul or if we get this Mike Perry sandwich that we all deserve. I can't wait for that. I really hey, let's hope. go to the park. Luke, if you ever saw somebody doing a public stunt like this saying choose one, would you do it? No, I'm not I'm not uh I'm not entirely stupid. Oh, it's a hug, dude. You would have won a hug. Look, did you see that? Oh, she got the hug. That's amazing. Oh, but wow, it she been got anal. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's go to the trucker hat of the year, Luke. You could you could probably buy this at the uh, local TA. Let me, Let me get, get a four loco, a boner pill, and six bucks on pump two. <laughs> I gotta Yo, tell about- you, I'd wear this hat. <laughs> how about you wear that hat and i'll wear the it's columbia not columbia hat we'll be like dumb and dumber part two would be great uh, i'd be yeah. down i'd be sized for that especially right. the orange hunting camo yeah look you know how they rush the field in sporting events and then they get tackled and they get taken off we don't see that a lot in the ufc but this chick tried it recently watch her path i've seen this she runs she tries to get up on the thing and then just fucking gets pushed like a bitch Get the fuck down. <laughs> yeah, she got the uh, Habib Dylan Danis treatment there. Get the F off my stage. Yeah. Shout yeah, out to nope. UFC. See ya, bitch. Security. Uh, Luke, you like food eating contests because they're gross, and you like seeing Joey Test- Chestnut put all that wiener in his mouth. But have you tried mayo championships? Oh, my God. Let me guess. They're white. No, turns out not. it's even Turns out it's even grosser, dude. Check this out. I mean, what are we doing, America? Dude. Dude, what in the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> oh, look at the mascot, too. Dude, do you know what, gross- do, what do you win, except in the words of that other gentleman you showed, type 3 diabetes? <laughs> um, <laughs> Dude, the Richter scale on the dumps that they're going to have to take after this, Luke, that's what you win. You win. You're, sorry, sir, your butt has exploded. That is so filthy. Wow. That, dude, I'm literally getting nauseous looking. Oh. Hey, well, Luke, is this Columbia or am I being insensitive? Check out what's coming out of the sidewalks here. Uh, I don't think they have alligators like this in any city I've been to. Is that scary or what? Because, you know, after I watched the horror movie The Ghoulies as a kid, I always thought something was going to come up through the toilet. Yeah, look at this. How is this not Southeast Asia? It might be. I was. At, you know, I didn't. I didn't see any indicators to tell me what it was here. All I saw were gators. Well, okay. how about gators coming out of the fucking ground? I mean, that's yeah. You're not Look, I don't know that. how to. I don't know how to tee up this next video beyond saying, "Come on in, let's do it." Oh shit! Stairs. Rude. Come on in if you got some pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was great. He was like, that I got a great like a- line for you. It's too bad I'm so drunk I can't even hold my own weight up against the wall. Luke, that's on, that could have been Valdosta right there, right? Some that's how my that- dad used to say it. He used to say it with like disdain because my mom yeah. had moved us there. He'd be like, like when, Valdosta. Like when like H.W. Bush used to always say Saddam all the time. Saddam Hussein, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. Hey, Luke, it's time for Rate That Tad, America's favorite game show. Uh, what about this pretzel? You into this? Um, no, I couldn't say I was super into that. <laughs> I mean, but the technique, Luke, it is, it is pretty decent, right? 
tech, I mean, the he's got some decent shading on the on the line work. Uh, oh, but um, okay, <laughs> all right. Let's go to a more aggressive tat. This is more of an action oriented tattoo. Check this out. If that's a tattoo, and that's not just face paint from the park. <laughs> It's decent technique, though, right? Again, I'm, I'm going to hope that he, well, he's got that gummy-ass smile that the horses do, you know? Luke, I don't know if you've seen this car commercial or whatever it is in Texas that played up 9-11 more than I did to try to capitalize on. I know the video. I can't wait for September 11th, Luke. This one took it too far, though. Texas, poor taste, doesn't begin to describe this ad from a local mattress retailer. What better way to remember 9-11 than with a twin tower sale? Right now, you can get any size mattress for a twin price. Store-wide sale all day long. Whoa! Oh, my God! We'll never forget. Are you... <laughs> that was in such poor taste, Luke. That was unbelievable. Oh, my God. What are they doing, right? I mean, who was... Was that... Was that Al Qaeda mattress? Like who was? There? I don't know. I don't know. I was don't that know. was was this the official mattress provider for the Mujahideen? Is that who that? Was I called? don't know, Luke. But it's time for MMA fighters in the wild. You know, I love this. Here's Shavkat Rachmanov showing us how awesome he is. All right, let's see. Pretty cool. Nailed pretty cool. It. Can do a backflip into the pool. That's all right. Nailed it. Hey, Chris Lieben has a new identity, Luke. We mentioned it briefly last week, but here's a picture as his debut as an MMA judge. Dude, he looks cool, right? He does, except he had a real fucked up scorecard in the process. But uh, let's see how it goes. Yeah, it can't be too bad comparatively to what we're used to lately, to be fair, Luke. Uh, did you see Gabriel? Could be worse, actually. People, people have this idea very quickly that like because you fought, that means you know how to judge. They are two separate skills. Maybe one helps you for the other one, but like the idea that like oh because you fought you understand judging. Nope, two different skill hey, sets. Hey, Frank Triggs doing a great job helping out these state commissions. Okay? Yeah, but it takes time to learn. That's the whole point. Sure. Hey, Gabriel Silva is Anderson Silva's son. Luke, did you see he had a boxing match with MMA media's Ben the Bane Davis? I did. I did. Bane got sat down. I felt real bad about it, but uh, you know he went out there and he. He tried, I mean, look, old Bane. Like Charlo, this was daring to be great from Ben the Bane Davis, to be fair, right? We got to give him that respect. Are you daring to be great if you're <laughs> if you're destined to lose? Well, he I'll, look, he went in there guns blazing with the trash talk in, in the buildup, too. So I got to respect that. You know what I mean? No, no, I love Ben. Lumps. I love Ben. But it's like we got to reserve the daring to be greats for like. Crawford fight, trying to fight Canelo. Okay. Not just okay. walking into a slaughter situation for sports. Well, you know? yeah, he did more than most of us not named Oscar Willis or E. Casey Lydon would do. It's true. Okay? That's true. We, we, by the way, we saw we saw Oscar in Vegas, and it looked like he hadn't showered in 35 days. It looked- yeah, but he has, a, he has a really nice watch. I think he thought I was coming on to him, Luke, but I was really impressed by his watch. You know what I mean? I think he stole that off one of the prostitutes he hired. Okay, this is getting a little libelous, Luke. Let's go to our final fighter in the wild. You see uh, Weili Zhang, who it's she's impossible not to love, met up with Shaq. She did the bit of trying to lift him over her head, Luke. Um, and then Shaq was like, punch me as hard as you can. And she Dude, wouldn't this is go, where you no, got to like, cue the Chris Collinsworth. He's like 7,000 pounds from the waist down, and no one's yeah. talking about his legs. <laughs> he's like, punch me for real. Yeah, um... 
it was great to see. look. She's great. She's a great ambassador. Yeah, for... she, everyone seems to like her, and I'm very glad about that because she seems very likable indeed. Yeah, but she's yeah. you know she's probably got some insane views about you know whatever because oh, she's a yeah, fighter. You but... know, Luke, you can disagree with the view, but still love the viewer. You know what I'm saying? Hey, listen, I think she's great. From what I can tell, she seems like a lovely person. Uh, Luke, is this an appropriate or an offensive way to to use the U.S. flag? Because you're usually the the the, uh, <laughs> the yeah, gatekeeper this is, on this. This is super offensive, <laughs> dude. That guy definitely gets laid, though. I mean, look at this. Look at this. Yeah, I mean, he definitely bangs a certain kind of two and a half. There's no denying. Um, again, you're not supposed to wear the flag as clothing in the way that this gentleman is. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think he's bringing more glory. To the to the old I, see, I don't and stripes I don't thing. I think no. it's I think it's bringing you know the opposite whatever the opposite of glory is uh, all right he's bringing plenty of that I got one more piece of shit Luke let's watch and listen this is great Bro, she got pancaked like a motherfucker on that thing. Yeah, that's one of those stupid, stupid games, stupid prizes type of thing, right, Luke? Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what they were trying to do there, like ricochet off the fence and then swing back. Yeah, they that was the worst landing possible. But that's your uh, ish of the week. It was more of a hodgepodge collection of leftovers. But, you know, maybe we come back stronger next week. With a bang. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a very uninspired dose, if I could just be honest with you. Uh, I See, I was moved by a lot of it, Luke, but, that, you know, we have different, you know, your search history is comparatively different to mine, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, that's disgustingly right. different. What kind of pornography did you watch in Vegas? I'm very I, I don't think that's an appropriate thought, question, what, 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 or, what did you type in the old or search potential bar? answer, just to be fair, okay? What did you type we, in the search bar? Pogs? We do you like need them to pogs? have standards you know i mean you know i mean is it a dash between 115 and pound when you're searching luke i don't know you know what i mean just, you know, i'm just kidding folks seriously i mean really you know <coughs> i'm just such a good actor luke i'm able to just steal oh you're acting here. you're acting just not the way the audience thinks you are <laughs> i know uh, but you're acting yeah. all right let's remind everyone first of all thanks to everyone who made the past week in vegas uh all that it was we appreciate you Thanks to everyone who watched today. We appreciate that as well. You want to reach the show, morningcombat at gmail.com. Of course, it's the best place to do that. Show, show the socials, boys. Show them the socials. You can follow us on all the social media outlets. They're calling it X now. I'm never going to call it X, BC. It's no. Twitter for life. They can no, eat shit. No, I'm never. I'm never. You know, there's just like, even like the Dignity Health Sports Park, dude, you're StubHub Center. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. what it is. You know, like. You're not Capital not... One Arena. You're Verizon Center. Eat shit. Yeah. Dude. You're Stamp Fairtex. You ain't just Stamp, right? Yeah, that's right. It's, well, they take the name of their the last name. Yeah, so her real name is probably something completely different. Yeah, same thing with uh, Srisa Ketsor Rungvisai, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. In any event, so uh, Showtime.com is the label that pays. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. And BC, we have to remind everyone. Now, hold on. We should talk about this on air very quickly. I know that Bellator 300 is this weekend, right, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it is this weekend. That's the first thing. Second thing is, isn't the Dylan Dennis Logan Paul thing this weekend? No, I thought that was October 14th. Okay, so 14th. Very good. Dude, I don't know how we're going to do this. we got to figure it out. We need to do a watch-along for that. We really do. We when's the do next UFC? When's the Abu Dhabi pay-per-view? That's the, the next weekend one. after that, the 21st. The 21st. Okay, yeah. yes. 
which, by the way, is when uh, my family gets back, my in-laws get back from Columbia just in time to help me uh, watch Tookster because my wife is going to be gone on a work trip during that time. So nice. I'm going to have enough family here so they can will you take have, care of. Will you have Uncle Pepe? Um, I think so. I think so. I think because Abuelo's going to be you here. Never know cousins from Columbia are going to be here. You never know how deep he may roll with women to help and aid in the No, 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 no. He right? rolls solo here. No, no, no. Here it's a solo okay. project. See, I would it's encourage him to continue swiping just for the potential of extra sitters, Luke. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to have a random watch my kid, but I appreciate your uh, thinking through that process I mean, as if, best you could. Yeah, if uncle can vouch for, for the lady, then I, I can too. I mean, that guy's libido, Luke, is just, wow, right? It's, it's just, just out of control. All right, it looks like the rain inside the studio is going to take us out here, so let's wrap this up. That's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks to Malka. Thanks to Showtime. Thanks to CBS Sports and everybody else involved. We'll get you ready for Bellator 300 this weekend on Wednesday and a whole lot more. Thanks, everyone. We're out of here on this Monday show. That's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Morning Combat is over. And until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.